you're locked in on the Leafs Line Podcast alongside your host, Mario Russo, an RTA media student and lifelong Leafs fan. Tune in each Sunday afternoon to find Russo covering all things Leafs until you're blue in the face. Russo will also dive in and dissect all the news and highlights across the NHL, bringing an in-depth analysis of a busy week in professional hockey. It's time for Leafs Line. Listen, we have some things to discuss here, and uh, it's some pretty serious issues here. Olivia Rodrigo is outstanding. Do not at me. This girl can sing it. She, this song, her song Good For You, has been stuck in my head for the last two weeks. I have to let it out. Got to give her some credit. Got to give her some love. It's my new alarm tone. It's my new ringtone. It is taking over my life i don't know if you guys have experienced this with any other person but olivia rodrigo man she uh, she can get me going i think her music video for good for you was filmed at my high school like they used my high school gym and like they used our like a uh, pe lockers like for her video and like they used our pool and stuff like just get that's a quick plug sick. there it's pretty sick quick plug actually so, i don't know if you guys seen the um the good for you guys uh, uh, there's not not a lawsuit, but a uh, like a copyright kind of thing going around. It's trending. Really, the Taylor Swift's. Oh, what's that song called? I forget what the song's called. But there's like a part in "Good for You," like the chorus. It's very similar to a Taylor Swift song. And then you kind of look at oh, the artist. I know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look at the artist, and they're basically both making a living off of um, breaking up with guys. So. I, I I just throwing it out there. I don't realize if you guys didn't see it, Evan. I don't know if you want to pull it up. I I mean, like I haven't. I was on my for you page. I I don't remember, but it was pretty interesting. Am but I, I love her too? Am I wrong to put her ahead of Taylor Swift? Or are we way too early right now, Jared? Come it's on, you, got, you give the too early. It's it's too early. But that album Sour is fucking amazing. The amount of times so I've, I've listened to that album from top to bottom. Unreal. And good for you isn't even the best song off it. Traders, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Driver's license is unbelievable. Driver's license is so good. Yeah. It's, One it's step overhated. forward, three steps back. Absolute banger. Good good for you goes hard, but that's more like the, the, the summer uh, song from a, the, 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 the header track, the title track, Brutal. I love. Such really a good, song. like, she just Great keeps album. coming out with hits. Let's hope it keeps, she keeps it going. I mean, I don't know if I was a little too naive in putting her ahead of Taylor Swift. Let's give it some time. Yeah, maybe but... not, not yet. Like all time, not a chance. No, not yet. Not yet. She's, she's still young. She's our age, 17. Yeah. Give, 18, give uh, so. Taylor Swift a few more breakups and then we'll, uh... <laughs> oh, can I, can I bring up one of my debates though? Do it. Yes. Katie I wanted Perry to hear it. Is better than Taylor Swift. That's a Ooh. terrible take. And me and my Katie friend Perry, debate this all the time. It's one of my favorite debate topics because it's true. Katy Perry is fucking amazing. Also, one of my biggest. Did we lose him? Wait, no, Jared, we lost Jared. Jared, we lo- Jared, Jared, Jared we is lost your mic you. off? Are you muted? I can't hear you, bro. Uh oh. Oh no. Well, now Jared's gone. I could talk about how wrong he is, and there's nothing he can do about it. Uh, but as a biased country, <laughs> I don't know if you hear us. As a biased country fan, Taylor Swift is like top tier how she was able to go from like a country superstar to like oh even better even better you can't hear us <laughs> as i was saying just as he 
I need to like block him because he makes me laugh the way he's like going around. Um, yeah, being a biased country fan, Taylor Swift is like top tier for me. Like in I agree, artists in general. I I love her. Even like her more pop stuff, like the Taylor's Taylor's verse. I think that's what it's called. Taylor's mm-hmm. version. Unreal, unreal. Mister Perfectly Fine. It's on my playlist. Um, have you heard the song Back to December? Yes. Taylor Swift is still on my playlist and somehow always ends up in like my top like it always i always find it somewhere in my spotify rewind that i mean she's outstanding she's outstanding he's timeless would be the best word to describe her but jared seems to think otherwise come on you got to expand on the debate now you can't just sink oh, into the shadows. For some reason, we can hear conversation, you. I just got booted out. So I don't know what that, that was about. I, I guess the, right. the Zoom did not agree with my take. But uh, <laughs> neither yeah. did we in the last yeah, like, maybe 10 ish seconds or whatever. No, it came <laughs> Give your side. <laughs> firework, Roar, Last Friday Night. There's those no competing songs. with that. Those are all great songs. songs are absolute bangers. Taylor Swift is great. I'm not ripping on Taylor Swift. I just liked uh, Katy Perry better. And then my other debate that I was bringing up, Roar by Katy Perry is better than Firework by Katy Perry. Um, Think about the music video. That has to be one of the most iconic music videos. Gotta throw it in there. Is Roar the one with the tiger? Is there like a tiger in there? Yeah, she's like in the jungle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I can can, can back that. I can back that. She's got the eye of the tiger, the fire, dancing with the fire because she's a champion and you're going to hear a roar. Like That's what it's all about. I love it. I can I can now, still picture you guys bumping her like on the way to dodgeball. It's great. Is that a, is <laughs> that a, a hype song? song? That's a win That's song. Take. Love it. Oh yeah. If we're throwing out uh, music takes, I'll say there is no song on this planet that will get like six grown ass men in a car screaming at one time, like "Party in the USA" by Miley Cyrus. Oh, there's no What? Like as soon as he started saying, "Yeah, there's no song that gets people singing like that." Yeah, it's obviously "Party in the USA." It's it's well, like we used to play it before our, uh, our playoff games just to get hype. No regular season, for for some reason, but only playoff games. Um, when I used to play like a little bit more competitively than now, and it was just it was so much fun. Like twenty guys in the room, all supposed to be like fired up for a playoff game, and we're just singing Miley Cyrus. So. No, dude, the uh, part, like, what's it called? Firework was our win song for hockey. Like, these are great artists. They yeah. are great artists. And I want to stay on this topic here a little bit. If you got to throw around four names, number, number ranked one through four, who you, who you taking out of these female artists? I'm not going to go on the male side here. There's a terrific amount of them. Well, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them you can. Oh, uh, I guess we said Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Oh, man, I got to rank them. It's tough. I know. I'm Jared go. seemed to give give away his number one real briefly. All right, think, I'm going. I think it's obvious. Do you go I'm first? I'm going Katy Perry first. I'm going mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus second. I'm going Taylor. Wait, did I say I can't stand Taylor Swift? Whoa, bad take. Sorry, sorry. It's just like take. if if she didn't have any breakups, what's her? What's the theme of her? All of her songs. True. There's gonna there's gonna be some True. upset fans yeah, in the I'm chat. Not. No one has mentioned Adele. I love I, Adele. Thank you. Thank I you. I love Adele. I'm not an Adele fan. I'm not an Adele fan. I can't. Oh, the new so song is like, bangers. okay. It's like, it was a, it was kind of overhyped. The, the new song. Jerry, what do you got ranked number one to four? Hey, a- any female artist. Any female artist from this oh. past decade. I okay. 
Katy Perry number one. Olivia Rodrigo, I think I think she has climbed to number two. I she love Olivia the top Rodrigo. Two. I love it. Like Adele number three. Uh, I still like Taylor Swift. Maybe I'd put Taylor Swift number four. It'd be a crime to not have her in the top five, yeah. I think. I might just have to go through my playlist. You know what? We'll stay away from the country artists. But if we're going to go through those four, I'd probably go Taylor Swift one and like a distant second. Not distant, but like a close second, like a middle-ish second. would be Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, I love her. I love her so much. And then Katy Perry's. Katy Perry's unreal. And then, oh, four. Four is difficult. Four is really difficult. Um, I'm going to go Rihanna. Got to give some Riri in there. Does that count? That counts. I don't know if we counted this this decade or like. She's in this decade still. She made it there. She cracked. We will get into hockey talk. Some music podcast. No, no I, I'll give my top four and then we'll get into the top four yeah, of the Toronto Maple Leafs that have been lighting it up on the score sheet over this past couple of games. Now you understand why I put the, the rank one to four. But my top uh, four, is, it's got to be number one, you got T-Swift in there. Number two, you got Olivia Rodrigo. Number three, you got Adele. And four, out of left field here, Lord. Do you ooh, know, do you know some, yeah. there's a couple bangers from Lord. Yeah. I, I'll, let her, I'll let her squeeze it a little bit over Katy Perry. I don't know. Katy Perry's at five. Sorry, Jerry, oh, man. just oh, the way it man. had to be with me. And uh, I don't know. I think that's a pretty reasonable take there. Uh, we, there's a lot of controversy in this one. Yeah, we're definitely we're missing get, a few. Like we're Nikki definitely Nas, missing a few. Some friendships Freddie are B. definitely being lost right now. Like, mm-hmm. As we speak, as we speak. Evan. Jared's like putting out a hit list on Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just about ready to leave the Zoom call. I don't know over it. <laughs> Well, with your luck, Jared, Zoom might already do it for you. So uh, let's not be careful what we wish for here. Yeah. But anyways, we will get into the hockey talk just about now. I think that uh, I think that was a pretty fun opening to go with. And uh, a lot of things are going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs team. We have them on the list of things to talk about. We're going to give our post-game take, Leafs Flyers. They just finished moments ago, 3 nothing win for the Toronto Maple Leafs in Ooh. Philadelphia. Soup did shut the door. A shutout for him. I'm not sure how many he's got on 36 the year, but saves, though. 36 saves. He matched it. He matched it. So uh, we'll be getting into that. We'll also be discussing just some themes around this Toronto Maple Leafs team that we've seen over this past couple of weeks, including this core four and the balance between themselves and the uh, depth of this team. The I don't know what the nickname I saw on the broadcast was. It was the core oh four and the eight. eight mates. The eight, eight mates. mates. Yes. There we go. Well, I uh, settled the score there. We're also getting into Jack Eichel. His re- not return. He is making his way finally to Las Vegas. It's been rumored since well, I can't even remember how long. It's been almost as long as this podcast because we've been talking about it with this cast here. Uh, my prior buddies that I did it with before. It's just been an ongoing topic of discussion. And finally, it has settled down. We'll be getting our thoughts on that. And finally, looking into the standings after just about a month of hockey. Some teams that are surprising, some teams that are tearing it up, and some teams that are, it's a little questionable where they are. We gave them a bit of time from uh, a couple of weeks ago where we ranked our, our sort of thoughts on these teams. And they, some of them have not budged whatsoever. So we'll be taking another dive into that, uh, looking back into what these teams, what the potential is looking like, because the ceiling is dropping very quickly. I had such high expectations for some of these teams that we're going to list as uh, when we get into the segment. And it's just not 
coming to fruition. We'll see uh, what goes on there. But we're going to kick things off with the most recent news in the Toronto Maple Leafs world. The Leafs beating the Flyers three to nothing. And it was a pretty good game all around. The Leafs finally started on time, I think. Well, I wouldn't say terrific, but it was a much better than that L.A. game. I know Sheldon Keefe following the uh, loss to the Kings, he was preaching starting on time. We have to we just let everyone run into the offensive zone and or sorry, through the neutral zone into their offensive zone and just so many breakaways. And obviously it was evident with the goals that were going in against the Kings at home. This game was totally different. I think they woke up a little bit. They got a penalty to start the game, uh, a power play, I mean, and then they surrendered two penalties as well. And Semyonov making his NHL debut, I believe he's 27 years old. So what a journey it is for him getting his crack in the lineup. Maybe Ilya. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it took Tavares to, uh, he was a healthy scratch to uh, start the game or before we even got into it. Uh, I guess it was, I think, an injury thing. That's what I was hearing. So hopefully everything's good on his front. But uh, again, Semyonov stepped off, and I thought he played a terrific game for the most part. He was uh, going into the corners really hard. He was winning four checks, winning puck battles, everything you want out of the fourth line player, especially in his debut. No points on the score sheet, but I don't think that matters when you're looking at this guy. I'll turn it over to you, Jared. What were your thoughts on the kid? He's making his first start in the NHL at the age of 27. Interesting story, like I mentioned. Uh, what did you make of his play? Uh, I, I liked him. I was excited when I saw he cracked the lineup. Obviously, it wasn't on the best terms because he was meeting that our captain, John Tavares, was out. And obviously, I, I saw it, what caused him to be out. It was a weird play in the L.A. game. I believe he took like a Charlie horse to the leg. Just it hurt him in that. And he obviously wasn't good to play tonight. So that wasn't great. But I mean, it was great to see Semyonov, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, stepping into the lineup. Probably butchered his name. Uh, he wasn't crazy noticeable. I mean, he de definitely didn't do anything bad. Uh, he was fine. I mean, I didn't complain. I don't think he did anything to warrant him being out of the lineup next game. He was good. He was did exactly what you expect a fourth liner to do. Uh, he threw some hits. He, he played a hard game. Uh, he was pretty good. I mean, didn't do anything crazy. He didn't get on the board offensively. Uh, but no, he, he had a good game. I definitely didn't have any complaints with him. And it was exciting to see him step into the lineup. Uh, and I'm excited to see what comes next for him. And I think that's just a terrific thing for him to say, like he, nothing bad went uh, happened during his playing in this game. He, uh, I don't know. It was just an even game from him. It's better to see this kind of stuff, just a regular, uh, it looks like a regular Joe out there than seeing him just turn the puck over left, right and center. And a, a pairing that was turning over the puck very frequently in that first period was that Muzzin Hall pairing. It's just not working. I don't know. We talked about it briefly uh, in the last episode about Justin Hall's future. He's had a really tough start to the season. And I think it's just continuously coming and piling on him. And I think it's affecting Jake, uh, Jake Muzzin's play as well. I mean, you recorded a point in the game, which was, uh, I guess, nice to see on the offensive side, but the defensive side where it matters, these guys have just not been there. Evan, I know you were touching upon it last week. Can you expand upon it a little more? Because now we've seen a little bit more uh, of the cards dealt with Hall and Muzzin, and it's just been nothing successful so far. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think this was a, a game and a time in the season where you need to get Justin Hall back on the ice and kind of just reassess his value. You know, like, he took a little break for a few games. They allowed Dermot and Muzzin to play together. And I'm just saying, like, I, like, I don't want to sound like a hater, but I, like, I feel like Justin Hall needs to be in a different jersey sooner than later because right now it's not working with the Leafs, and I don't think it's worth sacrificing Travis Dermott, who I think is exponentially better and more valuable to the Leafs than Justin Hall is. And I think you want Lilligren there. You drafted him high for a reason. It's not because you are were hoping and praying he would turn out to be one of your top six. You knew he was going to be down the road in your top six. So, like, I... 
you got to get rid of Justin Hall and, and sending him down to the minors doesn't do anything for him. It doesn't do anything for the team and it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for him personally too. Like it, it just degrades his confidence and for what it's worth, I would trade him to get draft picks because right now the one thing the Maple Leafs need are assets and you don't need another player right now. Like the team is complete. Like if you get another player, where are you putting him in the lineup? And if you are going to get a player, it can't be a guy that you're going to send down to the Marlies. Like there's, you could have just done that with Justin Hall. So right now, I think if they can get a third round pick, maybe even a second, I, I don't think they would. I think the highest value they could get is a third. I would take that deal right now because you need draft capital when you're in a salary constraint. It's an interesting take. I mean, I didn't, I've never, at least over the last couple of weeks, just haven't really thought. And I know draft picks just fly by their brain because we don't really ever care about them. And Sutter looks like Kyle Dubas doesn't as well for the way he's been shipping them off to any other team, but it makes totally so much sense in this, in this situation that trauma police are in. I think Justin Hall, what he's brought is just so much, this is not really a bad thing on him. It's just the reality of the situation. He just sort of made the players around him a little bit worse. I mean, defensively, I, th- I think is a fair point. It's just what a terrific season he had last season. It was a breakout year for him. So much success. He was a good locker room guy. Everyone loved him. I think we saw it abundantly in the, uh, the documentary that came out to start the year. But on the ice this season, it just hasn't been clicking for him. And I think a new destination is possible. I think it's more than possible. I've seen a lot of insiders talking about getting him shipped off to other uh, places just as early as the trade deadline, even way before that, as early as Christmas, I I heard some people talking about as well. And yeah, chime in. I think a team like I'm going to sound like biased here. I think a team that needs him is LA because they need, they're missing a defenseman. Like they had Matt Green and Alec Martinez for so many years. Obviously they didn't get Eichel, but they have the draft capital for it. I think if they could trade a third round pick in like a measly prospect or even just trade for a third round pick, like they're a team that needs that big guy. And when they were successful is because they had big defensemen who were willing to step up. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to talk about LA a little bit later in the show. They've been red hot. I believe winners a six straight could yeah, be seven. They just came six. off Montreal uh, overtime yeah. win. Mm-hmm. So six straight for them. Uh, they'll be getting a bit of love in this episode, but I don't know. I think it's Hall's turn to get a bit of the beating stick on this show. And I want to bring it into, I was going to talk, touch upon the Maple Leafs D a little bit later after we recap this game, but I think it's a perfect opportunity to dissect them now. So many guys involved. I don't think we expected this heading into the season that it was going to be this sort of happy situation. We got a bunch of guys that could fill in that void if Justin Hall were to go to another uh, destination. What do you guys make of Lilligren's play? Uh, Sandine's been terrific. I don't know. Like, is Lilligren's play been so consistent that it keeps him in the lineup and it keeps him a step ahead of Justin Hall? He's going to be taking over that role if he goes somewhere. I just want to pick your brain because he's getting that lower end of the table that lower that bottom six the the third pairing I'm trying to say here he's been playing much of that with Sandine which I believe is a fair uh a customization because they've played full minor league time uh, along alongside each other and I don't think they're good enough to play in the top four but I don't know what do you make of their play maybe differentiate between Lilligren and Sandine I'll start with you Adama what did you make of uh, the kids they've been all right and it's been a couple weeks now where we've seen some consistent play from them I want to talk about uh, Timothy Lilligan first because he was a guy tonight that I noticed a lot more. Like, I'm going to say this was probably his best game of the season. And we keep saying that, like, 
I feel like every night, oh, this is Timothy Lincoln's best game. This is Timothy, and he keeps getting better. Like the stretch passes that this guy can make are unreal. Like he looks like one of the best puck moving defensemen on this team. And he's still pretty sound defensively. He had one pretty bad turnover that uh, the the breakaway one. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like to say Semyonov put him in a pretty shitty situation there, kind of flat footed on his back end. Hadn't have much to do. But um, yeah, I've loved Timothy Grillyagrin this season, and there's no reason that oh, I'll throw it back to Travis Dermott a little bit because I did want to make a little comment on that. Um, there's no reason that Justin Hall should be in the lineup over Travis Dermott or Timothy Lilligren. Dermott is younger, right? No, there's no changing that. Dermott is the only thing that Dermott isn't with Justin Hall is right-handed. I think Dermott is better defensively. I think he's better in transition. I think he's one of the best. I think he is the best transition defenseman the Leafs have. I'm not saying odd man rush defenseman, but like five on five in terms of his gap control is among the best in the NHL. That's where he makes bread and butter using those edges. Um, I think he's just an overall better player than Justin Hall and he's cheaper and he has term, which Justin Hall doesn't have. So I'm not saying we should move on from Justin Hall just yet because you don't sell a guy when he's at his lowest value, which right now I think would be like a fourth, fifth round pick just because he's making that $2 million. Um, So I forgot where I was going with this, but if we're going to touch on Rasmus Sandin, he's also been really good. Um, but we yeah. knew this. We knew Rasmus Sandin. Or should I say Carl Sandin? Mm-hmm. Did anyone see that? Yes. That's his legal name, Carl Sandin. Um, Carl Eric Sandin. It was a nice little athletic article. Um, he's been really good. The second power play has been great, and part of that success is because of him. Um, I love the way he's able to walk the line, and he's a shooting threat, unlike Riley who is also a great power play quarterback. That's a discussion for another time. Um, even at five on five, Sandin and Lilligren, they just look like they complement each other, even though their skill sets are really similar. So I've been a fan of the kids. And I think we're seeing a little bit more in Lilligren's game. What we saw in Sandin last season. Now Sandin, he came into the league or not, wouldn't, he didn't come into the league last season, but he got a more prominent role with his team in that uh, condensed schedule. And he really played terrific. It was a reason why he stood in the lineup for such a long time. And he became a vital piece, not even just in the regular season, but even in the playoffs as well. So I think this is something that Lilligren is starting to get into a bit more. I think he's ready, ready to take the next step. And we've given this guy some time to develop. He's been in the minors for quite a while. We've let him play his course. We didn't force anything on him. We gave him some chances in the preseason, some little sprouts within the regular season, uh, spread them in there a little bit. We didn't see anything substantial yet. Now we're seeing the substantial play from Timothy Lilligren. And I think it's just a terrific thing and coming at the right time for the Maple Leafs when a guy like Justin Hall is scuffling a little bit. And just on Justin Hall, before I turn it over to you, Jared, I, I think that the Leafs are forcing him a little bit. They really, they're trying to make him like, we really want you to succeed. Keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, keep putting him in the situation. And I know he can handle it, but if the guys are better guys behind him are playing much more effectively, let them play more minutes than Justin Hall, or even more, just let him, Justin Hall sit on the bench. Let him sit uh, in the press box, whatever it takes. Like you mentioned, Donald Dermott should not be sidelined just to get Justin Hall minutes in. We've seen Justin Hall get minutes in. And right now, him and his minutes aren't going well with this team. And the guys who are on the bench and who aren't playing as much, like Sandine, Lilligren, and Dermot, who was a healthy scratch tonight, those guys aren't going to get any love when you're playing Sand, uh, 
Justin Hall so much. So I think I just want to make that point on Justin Hall. I don't know. I thought I found that pretty evident in his game over the last couple of weeks. Jared, what did you make of Justin Hall's game and the two kids uh, filling in that third pairing and Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren? Well, I'm just, first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to start off on Justin Hall. The issue is he makes $2 million and if you're uh, benching a $2 million player, it's an absolute waste. So at that point, you may need to start looking into a trade. The issue with the trade that scares me is as much as, yes, he hasn't been good enough. And even though I liked him last year, clearly this year something is wrong because it just hasn't been working out. But if we do trade him and someone goes down with an injury, that just creates a whole other slew of issue. Uh, so I'm definitely hesitant, at, especially at, like what Demo pointed out, at his lowest value. I don't think now is the time to trade him. But you need to do something to get this player going because right now it is just not working out. Uh, but two players that are absolutely working out, they're uh, clicking, they're flying on all cylinders. Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren. The young kids are absolutely clicking right now. Obviously on the Marlies uh, in the, the, the minors, they played together. And they clearly have that chemistry because, I mean, they're playing right now. Like, And I said this when they first started playing this season. They're playing like confident defensemen right now. They're making some high IQ, very smart plays. They're moving the puck forward. And they're just playing really well together. They look like confident players. And that is what we need out of our young kids that I mean, be drafted in the first round uh, with Sandine in 2018 with uh, Lily Green in 2017. Uh, and when you look at Lily Green, even though it hasn't worked, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few years in a row where we sort of expected him to be this great defenseman and hadn't quite been working out this year. I don't know. Something just snapped in him. And all of a sudden he's like, you know, there was all that hype around me in 2017. It's about time I start living up to that. And he's just, absolutely flying out there i'm loving what i see from those two young kids and the only thing that i'm going to point out on them and this is just natural and a defenseman's finding his way in the national hockey league it's just the growing pains and you're going to see it throughout every youngster in the national hockey league this is nothing against timothy lilligren or even sometimes rasmus sandin you see them like you mentioned damo before his turnover at the blue line in the, this this game against philly there's been a lot of turnovers from him but nothing so bad to keep him out of the lineup he's been terrific and i just wanted to mention that as well it's obviously very evident in the defenseman uh who's just making their way into the league and i think lilligren and sandin they show these signs but so many more signs of them coming out of their shell and getting a little bit more uh, gelled with this team and more into a prominent role with this squad. And Jared, I just want to ask you one more thing because you mentioned up this point about Justin Hall, and this is all I'm going to say about Justin Hall for the rest of the show, hopefully. Uh, so you mentioned that like something has to happen for him to get clicking. What would you suggest that is? Because we saw him getting a healthy scratch a couple of games ago, a kick in the pants, I guess it looked like from the outside looking in. And I guess that didn't work at all. So what is Keith and even Dubas left to do now? Uh, at this point, you have to just start getting a little bit creative. It's still November, and Keith has to start trying to match him with other people because clearly that pairing of Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall is not working out right now. And obviously, why would you disrupt lives that are clicking? So I'm not going to say completely change everything, but I mean, you have to try to find something to get Justin Hall going, whether it's he just needs to go into the, the GM's office and uh, have a little talk with Dubis, or you have to do something. You have to talk to this guy. You have to try to find a way to get him back to the the player he was last year, because when he's playing confident, we've seen that he could be a, a successful defenseman on this team. He had a great year last year. He has the tools there. He has what it takes. But I mean, I don't know something this year isn't there. I, I don't know what it is, but something this year isn't working out for him. And he needs to try to do something to motivate him because he obviously has what it takes. But this year, he just hasn't been showing that. And again, whether it's maybe splitting him up with uh, Jake Muzzin, you know, moving up him with someone else. You have, to, you have to do something, or maybe it is you have to bench him at a point. But I don't know. It's a tough situation because why do you want to bench a, a $2 million defenseman? But at the same time, 
he's not playing right now. And there are three players in Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren, and Travis Dermott who are more deserving of spots in the lineup right now. So it's a really tough situation. It'll be very interesting to see what uh, Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubas do about that moving forward, because as of right now, he just straight up hasn't been good enough. Yeah. Now if I'm Sheldon Keith, Kyle Dubas, whoever's making these calls here, I'm letting the big dogs eat and the big dogs are the guys that are producing at this moment. Sandine Lilligren fall into that place. And I want to talk about these big dogs who have been producing because it's just been, we've been seeing so much of it over this last couple of games and finally, it came to a close. We saw the 16 game or 16 consecutive goal streak come to an end from that core four. Andre Casa was snapping it with his second of the year. I believe it came in the third period of this game against the Flyers. And Nylander scored a pair of, a pair of goals in this game to get the other goals and help with the wind. And Nylander, he's been like he has all year, solid offensively and in this defensive game as well. But it's just been terrific of what we've seen from this group. I think this is the all we're going to talk about for the recap with the Flyers. I want to get more into this core four heating up. And we've seen so much talk about these group of players over this whole season. At the start, it was these guys aren't producing. Uh, something got to change. Trade Marner, trade this guy, that guy. It was a full uh, epiphany of what we've seen from this Toronto media. Now it's changed. Now it's all oh, these core fours are core four players are producing. But what about the depth? There's nothing there. Like, what is this team? There's not enough balance. They're too top heavy. Leaf fans, if I'm going to tell you anything, and if you're listening, pick a side. I think we've all done it pretty well. Uh, it's just, it's just annoying what we have to listen to uh, on a daily basis when it's these guys are producing. Finally, let us enjoy what we're seeing because the, we haven't been able to see too much of enjoyment over this last couple of seasons with this Leafs team, particularly the beginning of the year where the top four were not producing. Now we're seeing it, so let's enjoy it and let's worry about the the depth when it's not producing when we absolutely need it and the core four are not producing because we had it sort it looks like the role sort of flip-flopped would you not agree it Evan yeah just to respond to that though like I if this does continue to become a thing where it's just Matthews Nylander Marner producing Jared I know you're making that face but what is this I'm just saying I'm telling you right now like when you're saying come playoff time what team does this remind you of and I'll give you a hint. They got swept in four games by Winnipeg. Okay, it's reminding me a little bit of the Edmonton Oilers where you have guys like Leon Dreisaitl, you have guys like Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Tyson Berry, Darnell Nurse. And we saw a lot of last year, granted a short 56-game season, but you always saw those five names on the score sheet. And if those five names weren't on the score sheet, Edmonton had a tough time winning. And it's, and this is the thing that now I'm noticing with the Leafs, because obviously I would, once you get to the playoffs, it's a lot easier to lock down guys because you're playing them on a consistent basis. If, if the depth doesn't get started soon, this could be something like Edmonton down line. Like they have McDavid and Dreisaitl who are easily if not the two best players in the NHL, and they still got swept against the Winnipeg Jets, who are a more complete top, uh, a more complete team. Sorry, where each line is able to produce on the offensive end, and and it's also in that playoff series they were only scoring two to three goals a night. Where you had McDavid, who had a hundred points in a fifty-six game season, and Leon Dreisaitl, who shortly followed. Like they they should have easily been able to at least come away with one win. And I'm just worried that if something happens, like how we've always seen with Marner who shuts down come playoff time and Matthews, who isn't the same goal scorer, I'm afraid of 
them not getting out of the first round again because the bottom like Kasha I like love he scored a goal like whatever but they hadn't scored before and I'm just noticing that issue and I don't want deja vu just with a different team I hear you and I mean it's a fair point I think the Leafs have been both in the offseason last season because they're so similar in their makeup so many extremely talented pieces up front in that top six and it just always is either really hot or it's not right now we're seeing with the Edmonton Oilers a happy case where all their guys are producing the depths there and the offense the the, the core four is there like there's a full balance and I, I 100% agree you need a balance uh, when you're heading into the playoffs because a top heavy team like we saw with the Edmonton Oilers last year and so many teams in the past it's not going to get that far but I think it's just right now what we're looking at and I think this is what I'm trying to say and I think Jared might have agreed with me here it's just that it's a short sample size right now. Like the top four is producing over the last week, the last, the week before that it was the depth that was producing. I think if this was a common theme all season, which we saw through the last 13, 14 games that they've played, and it's just the top four producing, 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 then it gets a little, okay, what's wrong with the depth? We need to bring in some, maybe some guys that are going to spark something with these, these, this lower group or something has to change. But I think it's just a streaky thing right now. I think the depth is there. It's just, the big dogs are eating right now. And I think we just got to let them go at it. Uh, you want to comment a little yeah, bit more? Just on one last thing. And then I'll, yeah. I'll cut it to Jared and Adam. But what I'm saying is like, if that becomes, if this case becomes the theme where it's one week that the uh, depth is producing guys like Kasha, Bunting, mm-hmm. uh, Kerfoot. And then the next week is the core four: Melander, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares. That's not going to work come playoff time so and honestly like for Leaf fans you shouldn't really give a crap about the regular season because you like everyone knows the Leafs are good but the playoffs are a different animal and we've seen that these big dogs are getting thrown in the pound like Mm -hmm. they're not they're not producing come playoff time so I really don't care that these core four whatever you want to call it are scoring 16 like congratulations can you do that for me in April hundred percent. I, I agree. And I think it's just, I think we just, we're just trying to deal with the cards that we're dealt right now. I think we're just focusing on the regular season. That's why we're sort of analyzing this way, but I think your point is extremely fair. I think that's all we're trying to say. It's just that in, in the playoffs, these guys never show up. And I think that's exactly what you're alliterating to, because this is what we need. We need this sort of performance that we saw tonight, the game before the game against Boston. We need all those performances to stack up and see it in the playoffs. The regular season doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter because we're waiting for those playoff results as we've talked so much about in the show. But again, you need to see these guys producing throughout the season to get a sort of general picture of what we're going to see come the postseason. So I don't know. I don't want to, I want to hear your thoughts as well, Jared. Turn it over to you, Adamo, as well. Uh, Jared, what did you think of the core four, the talk about them and about this depth? I think we called it the, uh, what was it again? I just forgot. The, the eight word. mates. The eight mates. Jeez, <laughs> I got to write this thing down. The, the, the core four and the eight mates. What, what do you make between them? And is it just too top heavy for the least right now? Because it's looking that way. That's a uh, 16 goal streak was snapped by Casa. So I don't know. I think it's just a streaky thing. Do you agree with me on this or is it? Like, yeah, I agree. And I, what I keep looking at is what was the conversation piece when the Leafs are on their, their four game losing streak was, Oh, the top four can't contribute. Could people like, relax a little bit i don't know i i I hate the flip-flop of the narrative of at first oh the core four can't score we're relying purely on our depth now all of a sudden our depth pieces start scoring oh the team's screwed because the depth pieces aren't going now i think people need to just like 
take a deep breath. Right now, our top four is clicking. What's happening? We won five games in a row. We lost our game against LA, and now we've won six of our last seven games. I mean, our team is doing well, and it's showing that we're, we're living and dying on our, our core four. When our core four are going, uh, our team's doing great. And when our core four aren't going, uh, you saw how that went when our, we were down. Uh, we lost four games in a row. I do agree with the point Evan brought up, though, where I have an absolute issue with the way that the Edmonton Oilers are built because they're purely, their whole game plan is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. When they aren't going, the team's absolutely screwed. And they're a team that even when I'm making my uh, bracket challenge, my playoff predictions, I never am that high on the Edmonton Oilers because I completely don't like the way their team is built. I don't think the Leafs are as top-heavy as the Oilers are. I don't mind our depth, and I think that we have depth pieces there. Jason Spetz is a great player. Wayne Simmons is a great player. Andre Cash is good. Nick Ritchie, today he looks great. And he has the pieces there that he should be able to pick it up and be an impactful depth player. We have Kerfoot, all these other players. So I don't think we're as top-heavy as the Oilers. And I do think that the way our team is built should be able to contribute and work come playoff time. I mean, it's a great thing. Why are we complaining that our top four are working? And yes, obviously there's an issue that 16 straight goals were scored by our, our core four players. But I mean, let our core four get confident and eventually our depth will start picking it up like they were at the beginning of the season when they were the only ones going. So I just think I hate the way the, the media and the narrative flips the, the story. And I hate the way where it's like in a week's time, oh, this is the issue on our team. Now all of a sudden you completely flipped that on its head. It's like, no. But it's still early in the season. Our team is doing well now. I mean, we're not at the issue where we're losing four in a row anymore. Our team is flying at the moment because our core four are contributing. Sure, the depth need to pick it up a little bit, but I mean, I'm not panicking yet because, I mean, it's a good thing. Why are we complaining about the guys we pay to score? score? Like, I don't know. That's my kind of mindset on that. I do agree with Evan's point about an issue with the Edmonton Oilers, but I just don't see how that directly uh, translates into the Leafs because I think we're a differently built team. And I actually do think we have depth pieces there. It's just a matter if they want to start contributing or not. Can I ask one question though? Go ahead. What round was Edmonton eliminated in? <laughs> and what round were the Leafs eliminated in? I rest my case. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Really go to the conference finals one year though, to be fair. Who? Or at least the Oilers. They, they went to the second round. They went to the second round. Game seven. Okay. It happened. Meaning it can happen if, if that's like what we're. Where I'm we're not saying like of. press the panic button, but like, of course, you want the top to get hot. But if you have a constant, like, I'm not saying it's a cause for concern, like, shut the whole system down. But like, if you're having these issues where one week it's the depth and then another week it's like it's a fully a balanced team runs where each game different guys are scoring. And, like, if you want to look back at Winnipeg last year, like, they had games where it was Kyle Connor, Matthew Perot, Nikolai Ehlers, Andrew Kopp, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, like, they always had a consistent balance. Give it one more week. Okay. One more week, and we will see how it works. No, because this, like, if it's one week, it's the one week it's the depth, one week it's the, uh, the, the, the core four. What if the next week after that, it's both of them combined? Like, we're going to just have to see because it, you could be absolutely right and it could be continuously flip-flopping and that is obviously a problem that the Leafs are going to have to nip in the bud as soon as possible. Right now, it's just, in my opinion at least, I, I don't know, it's just a streaky thing. Like These guys were cold throughout the entire stretch of the opening season. Now they're hot. 
now they're on firing on all cylinders. So obviously this is expected when a, when a group of players are hot at once, you're going to see all these guys producing. So I think it's fair to say in like no arguments at all about the, uh, the playoffs, these guys need to produce. There's got to be a balance. It's no question there. It's just right now. And then it's the big four. They're hot. Let them run. And the depth is going to pick it up. Hopefully pick it up in the next week. If it's this, if it's the depth picking it up and the core four go silent, then we got a problem on our hands. I think that's something that's going to be more than talked about uh, with this Maple Leafs team. And Adamo, I know you didn't get to talk much about it. Do you want to make any comments about it as well? Um, I know you guys pretty much hit on everything, but I will say um, I still haven't switched that we need to get results because we're still not a playoff lock. Like I get, we won six of seven. We also lost like five of seven to start the season. So I'll take results. However, they come. Um, we're talking oh playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. I'll say it again. We need to get there first. Look at Florida. There were Florida's the team actually I was least scared of. And now look at them. Uh, Tampa's still Tampa and Boston, although they've looked like shite, they aren't. So let's pump the brakes on the playoff talk. Um, and like the Leafs are low key been carried by Jack Campbell. Um, we're like not going to talk about that defensively. They've been a mess, and Jack Campbell's been our MVP beside um, King William. Um, so yeah, let's maybe pump the brakes on the playoff talk and let's just focus on getting these results. And if it's the big four scoring, you know, superstars score goals and they win. Tampa, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point. Steven Stamkos and Anthony Sorelli go quiet for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They don't win. This is how teams work. If Ovechkin doesn't score, neither do the Caps. Like, it's just, just how teams work. The Leafs are just another team. Do you want to add something, Jared? Or Yeah. Uh, so I, I just wanted to add on that. I mean, of course, if you are talking about the playoffs completely, I'm not going back on what you're saying because I'm, I'm going to add on it, but – yeah. I'm going to talk about the playoffs for one second. Of course, the team that ends up winning the cup is going to be that team where the core, like, sorry, not the core, uh, the top four lines are all contributing. Of course, that's a thing. And of course, that's the dream. And that's what we want to happen in Toronto. Uh, but right now, uh, in order to win games, it's showing that our core four needs to be contributing. And you look at those uh, examples from around the league that Adamo was bringing up, and even look in all sports. I mean, if Tom Brady isn't lighting it up and throwing those great uh, throws, I mean, the Buccaneers, I was about to say the Patriots, the Buccaneers aren't winning their Super Bowl. I mean, if Michael Jordan isn't playing like Michael Jordan, the Bulls don't win all those championships. Like at a point, the guys you pay the money, your big name guys need to play like big name guys. And that was an issue we were complaining about. Why now when Marner, Matthews and Elander are starting to look like those guys we expect them to be, why are we starting to complain? So I think that's just my issue with the, the way the media is reporting the story, uh, the way people on Twitter are like reporting and talking about the story. Why are we complaining that our superstars are playing like superstars? I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. I agree. We absolutely need the depth to start figuring it out. We need the depth to start contributing and uh, being good players. But why are we complaining now that we're getting the wins and our superstar players are playing like we expect them and pay them to do? Say let's live in the moment. I mean, it's just all we got to work with right now. Let's play the cards we're dealt. And I think we'll leave it at that. I mean, we spoke in, I think, just about everything we could say about this top heavy offense and it's comparison to the the depth of this team so i think we're going to move a bit off, off of that and just go quickly to a guy who hasn't been able to live in so many moments with the toronto Maple Leafs. that is peter Mrazik. it's uh the experiment hasn't looked too well with the Mrazik uh 
with him in goal, he has only played one complete game, which was a 5-4 win over the Detroit Red Wings, so allowing four goals in that start. So if you haven't heard, obviously I'm sure you guys are all aware of it, just for the fans, if they haven't heard, he was recently reacquainted with himself with the IR uh, after retweaking his growing. So he's there for about a month, four weeks, could be possibly five, who knows. I, I, I'm actually going to bring this up. It's a little off topic, but Evan, I interviewed you for my Vox Pop a while back for, for, uh, I was uh, just going to say, uh, yeah, uh, the line that I heard so many times, at least a hundred times when I was editing this thing, uh, durability is going to be a concern this year, quoted by Evan Davis. And look where we are now. This guy cannot stay healthy. Evan, you're already, the king never misses, I guess, is what they say. And yeah. it, it's just, is this a definite dang it for Kyle Dubas? Because it's, it's, it just week after week, it's looking ridiculous. Like he's not able to play at all, not able to put any momentum together. And it's just adding more salt to the rude wound when Freddie is tearing it up and putting up. I, I, if you told me this at the regular, before we started, he'd be putting up Bezin on numbers. I call you crazy, but here we are. And that's what he's putting up. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys make of the, the experiment with Peter Mrazek? Is it a failure yet? Are we ready to write him off? Because it's not like Nick Ritchie where he's not producing. He's not even playing. Like I'll start with you, Evan, because you made the call so far back. I mean, like, I hate to call someone's injury, but I, 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 when you had like just brought up this topic, I was like, I remember saying something about like Mm -hmm. the contract is a steal. If he can stay healthy. Like I like, and I, that's what I thought at the beginning, like what I'm sorry, not at the beginning when he signed the contract, and I was obviously in LA and I was talking to my dad and I was like, this is an interesting move because obviously Peter Morazic did not play a lot last year either. And I thought, and I was saying to my dad too, I was like, three years seems a little too long of a commitment, especially for a guy like Peter Morazic. And I'm not, it's not a question of his talent. Like I said, durability is going to be an issue. And I struck gold on that, unfortunately. Like I knew that this was going to be a problem. And uh, and now that he eats up three and a quarter, something like that, like three and a quarter million, maybe like three and some change of your, yeah. Which so he, a little over $3 million a year for three years. And he's only played one game and he got injured in that game in Ottawa too. He only played two periods of the three. Jack Campbell had to come in for that third period, unfortunately. And um, look, I, I was just, I was never a fan of the move. I, I thought it was a little bit of a risky move by Kyle Dubas. Like, unfortunately, the market for goalies just, it wasn't good enough for the Leafs. Like, you obviously weren't getting Philip Grubauer. Freddie Anderson wanted out. It seemed like there, that like a bridge had maybe been burned when Jack Campbell started getting a lot of the reps, but yet you're paying Freddie Anderson number one, do- like number one goalie dollars. And unfortunately, they had to take the risk on signing Peter Morazic. And right now they're paying him to stay at home and it's unfortunate. So, and I'm telling like, and I just wanted to actually, this is going back to Adamo's comment about uh, Jack Campbell being the MVP. I think that's perfect for the Leafs that he is your MVP right now, because if you want to go back in ancient time to 2012, when the Kings won the Stanley cup, the Conn Smythe winner was Jonathan Quick and pardon my French, he was unfucking believable He had four shutouts. A fourth of his wins were shutouts. And the amount of games that he saved for the Kings, like they, there were so many games, they had zero business winning. It was Jonathan Quick who played like unreal. And if 
Jack Campbell can do that for the Leafs, then the Leafs can go past the first round if he can play as the MVP. That's the only way they get past the first round. And I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, Jack Campbell was terrific last year. The only slip up was game seven against the Montreal Canadiens where a couple goals uh, scored on him. They, he should have had, and that was the only reason why the only shake he started to get. Cause otherwise in that series, he was the reason the Leafs were not just in it, but seen some success and Carey Price just, he got out goalie. That's one thing that we cannot see come this postseason. And I really don't want to talk postseason because we're in November. So much, so much season to play. Uh, but again, he got out goalie in that series. It's going to be interesting to see if he does it this year. But so far this season, he hasn't been out goalie so many times because look at his numbers. Adamo, you mentioned it. Evan, you just touched upon it. He's been the MVP. But I, again, I want to bring the conversation back to Peter Mrazek because it's an interesting thing. It's hard to analyze a guy fully and write him off when we haven't even seen the guy play more than three four games he he's not a bad goalie he's just he's not even there he's not even in the conversation I don't know Adama what do you make of Peter Mrazek's situation that he's in what does it mean for the Leafs and is it a failure for Dubas yet are you ready to write it off and sail that ship or are we just got to give it more time because we kind of knew heading in that this was in the fine print that this could possibly happen with the Leafs and it's coming full circle right now uh, yeah, I'm normally the Mr. Overreacty man, but in this situation, I'm going to say chill. Again, pump the brakes. It's quite literally been two games. It's been 13. And I get it. He hasn't been healthy. But should we write Ilya Mikheyev off too? The guy lacerated his wrist, another injury, and then he broke his thumb. Like, okay, see Ilya, back to the K you go. No, he's going to come back, and he's going to play well for us. And same with Peter Mrazek. I get he has a history of injuries, but a lot of guys do. Remember Austin Matthews? Injuries were a concern with Austin Matthews. Remember he had the back injuries, he had the head injuries, the shoulder injuries, the fuck the wrist injuries, and he's still he's still with us. So yeah, durability is a little bit of an issue, but who's to say in four weeks he doesn't come back and plays 30 games for us and has puts up like a 915? Like that could fully happen. So um, I, I don't want to write him off just yet. I'll say that. Get the kinks out now while you can. He, we knew injury was going to be something to worry about. At least we're getting it out of the way. Hopefully it's, it plays hopefully. out this way. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we're getting them out of the way now and he's going to be successful down the stretch when we're going to need him most. So I think that's all we're going to say about uh, Peter Mrazek. Jared, I'm going to skip over to you for this because I want to get into this other thing. It's just basically- Can I interject real quick? I'm sorry, like quick comment. Yeah, go, go ahead. Adamo, it's different for goalies, though, because it's mean, the recovery, like in terms of recovery process, it's so much different for goalies. For and sure. if you're looking at Mrazic's injuries, it's a hundred times different. Like, I, I think he can recover from it, but him getting back into A plus form is going to take at least two months for him to like uh, for sure but that's why jack campbell yeah, you're like a starting goal like yeah you're just you're listing like skaters it's easier for skaters to get adjusted it's different true. for goalies because they're playing true. the full 60 minutes yeah that's right. true yeah. no it's good it's, it's a good angle i think it's uh I don't know, like, this is just from a player's perspective. I played baseball my entire life. Uh, obviously, I didn't play as much hockey, so the injuries were a little different. But 
a growing injury compared to a wrist injury in baseball were leaps and bounds. I would actually say the, the growing injury was a lot worse considering you would always retweak it. It's an nagging injury that always comes back and haunts you. I'm sure it was the same for hockey. Every time I play hockey, I pull my growings. It's kind of concerning, but uh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's the way I skate. I, my skating is, like, it, yeah, we'll, we'll get, that's a fair assessment for me, man. You want to wait till you see me get on. <laughs> Anyways, oh but, but uh, no, the, I, like the, the reason I say this is just to credit Evan's point there's so many different injuries that work differently for so many players, personally, baseball wise, it was just the growing injury that always nagged me it, just running every time you, you would least expect it, it there. It would come the wrist injury. You would get it and it would be nipped in the bud for a little bit. And then it would open up sometime down the stretch. So hopefully I know Peter Mazik's dealing with the growing injury. Hopefully we deal with the kinks right now. And I know we're just about a month into the NHL season. I want to just quickly throw this by you. Hopefully we can get through this one a little bit quick. What's one word you would use to wrap up this Leafs uh, talk we've been on for quite a while now. We've ran pretty long in this Leafs talk, which is never a bad thing. But what's one word you would describe, uh, used to describe this Toronto Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs team, man, I'm butchering this one, through 13, 14 games of the season? Jared, I'll start with you. Um, Unfortunately, I'm going to use the word inconsistent. I mean, we've had great games and off games. Like we, We've been a little bit inconsistent. I'd like, obviously, we, we had the five wins in a row, but we also – use those five games in a row to follow up four losses in a row. So I'd like to see a little bit more consistency down the stretch. What about you, Adam? Which word are you uh, ripping for the Maple Leaf season so far? I've been thinking of a bunch of words as Jared was speaking. Swear the words? One thing... No, 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 no. These ones are, I can say, in front of kids. Um, interesting. It's been very interesting. I feel like we don't normally... Like, I feel like last year, we kind of just went into the season. We started winning shit, and that was it. But this year, like, there's, like, a million storylines. And that could be, like, the entire NHL, to be honest. Like, I feel like a million things are happening at once, and then we just happen to be intertwined with the Leaf stuff. But I'll go with the word interesting. And, Evan, to wrap it up, what's one word you would use to describe your first season watching the Toronto Maple Leafs in full picture? You're getting the full slice here. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like, I watched them back home, you know. we had, But I would say confusing confusing it's a fair state all the all the statements you guys are making are fair i mean so many words good words and the bad uh, can mix in with this maple leafs team to start the year you rewind the tape two weeks ago there's gonna be a lot of bad ones there but uh slowly starting to even out for this team we're seeing it from the top four the depth i'm hoping is gonna come pick it up Mrazic, he's on the he's on the shelf hopefully when he's back at the end of his injuries and i think that just slightly recaps all we've talked about the Toronto maple leafs and we use words so like interesting uh inconsistent all that jazz to talk about the Leafs some of these teams that I'm about to get into can rep all those words into one and I'm talking the Colorado Avalanche the New York Islanders and even I threw in this team bit of a surprise here the Seattle Kraken I'm gonna give my take a little bit just because they're last in the Pacific we said this Pacific division heading in Evan me and you did a show on this so I think we know uh most about it here we we gave the Pacific division a pretty low rank we thought it was going to be one of the least competitive ones because we thought the California teams were going to scuffle a little bit they were in the la- the sort of middle to early stages of the rebuild so they're starting to slowly make their way we didn't expect them to be extremely competitive but look at the, the look at how it's going now you got the Ducks in there the Flames the Oilers all sitting atop the division the reason why I throw in the Seattle Kraken in some surprising teams, because 
I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm just having a little more hype on this team than many than most, but I thought they'd have a little bit better than a last place. Is, is Were we considering last place heading in? Evan, I'll go with you because you're giving me the uh, the deadly eyes here. Yeah, like, look, I, I can't really, like, diss on him because I had him last year in fantasy, but I knew Philip Grubauer was overrated. And the only reason I took Philip Grubauer was because I knew he played for the Colorado Avalanche and I knew the teams that they were playing were going to be horrible. So I knew Philip Grubauer was going to be a great goalie because the team in front of him from top to bottom, and I'm saying 12 forwards, six defensemen were unbelievable. Like they made life easy for him. Like Grubauer did have to play on his heels some games but it's he had so much confidence in him because he knew that if he gave up a goal or something like he has Nathan McKinnon to snipe one Miko Ranton to snipe one so I knew that going in he would get paid high but I knew that he wasn't going to be the same goalie and that was the reason why I stayed away from him in fantasy this year because I just knew it wasn't going to be the same production like I knew he wasn't going to be another Vesna candidate and in terms of Seattle as a whole I think we're getting too spoiled with Vegas and I said this during our Pacific Mm -hmm. Division talk a lot of GMs weren't around in 2003 when the Atlanta Thrashers and Minnesota Wild or 2000 maybe the year 2000 when the Minnesota Wild and the Atlanta Thrashers integrated into the NHL and there was the last expansion draft so they didn't really know what to do and George McPhee credit to him kind of fleece teams into making deals so that they wouldn't take players. And then the Vegas Golden Knights acquired draft capital, which allowed them to get Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, now Jack Eichel. Uh, they were able to bring in Marc-Andre Fleury. They were able to, who I are able to acquire uh, Robin Leonard, like just teams didn't know what to do and they really didn't know how to handle it. And, I'll even say the Kings, like they gave up um, Braden McNabb and I, and they kept Derek Forbert instead. And I thought that was a horrible move. And Braden McNabb ended up being an enforcer defenseman for Vegas for a few years. And teams just gave up players that I think looking back on it, they were like, crap, like we should have protected him instead. So it was a little bit hard for Rob Francis and Seattle to kind of fleece teams into being like, Oh, like we'll take a second round pick. Like, we won't take this guy instead in that. And they weren't able to do that. hundred percent. And I mean, I think we talked about it immensely in the off season talk. I think that was the main storyline around the Seattle crack and Ron Francis unable to get it done, not just on his own part, but because of what happened around him, the Vegas golden Knights sort of stole the show. And uh, it's hard to be the second one when you're in the limelight of such a giant, like the Vegas golden Knights. So I think that might be a storyline touching upon Seattle I just didn't think they'd be this bad but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see about them and I know you mentioned the Colorado Avalanche when you were discussing Philip Grubauer in 12 forward 6d in front of him they were all stellar and it's nothing like that this season to open up the I guess the first month and a little bit of the regular season because uh if there's one if there's one song they're maybe playing in the Colorado dressing room and I'm going to stay on the Olivia Rodrigo train it's got to be brutal because it's been it's it's been a struggle for them and and and, uh, and oh god that was smooth though that was smooth yeah that was smooth no but uh, i mean you look at all the injuries they faced too you got ranton in he was out for a little bit now you got mckinnon which we learned today is going to be out i believe it's three weeks three weeks uh, with a i want to say lower body injury yep 
Yeah. So uh, they're just feeling with the, so many problems on their own end and not to mention that they sit sixth in the central division with a four or five and one record. Jared, what do you make of the Colorado avalanche? We talked about them before and I, you gave your thoughts on them as well. We thought they were going to get a little bit out of this rut because they're a talented team, talented teams find ways to win, but these guys just haven't moved. And I know they haven't played that much hockey since then, but I don't know. It's just not looking, still not looking promising for this team is what's up with these guys. I mean, if, if we're going back to what we did with the Leafs, in one word, disappointing. I mean, of course, they're missing Nathan McKinnon, who is, of course, obviously their best player, but they still have so many other superstars around them. I mean, two out of the three parts on considerably one of the best lines in the league are still there. I mean, obviously, they're missing Nathan McKinnon, but Nico Rinton and Gabriel Landeskog should still be able to, to hold the four there in Colorado, and I mean... They have Kale McCarr. Owen Byram's actually looked solid as a defenseman. I picked him up in one of my fantasy leagues. So, like, they have guys that are looking fine. It's just the team itself isn't able to string together any consistent wins, and Darcy Kemper isn't exactly being as good as we we hoped he would be. I'm, I'm not going to say as good as we expected, because we did know, or at least assume, that goaltending would take a little bit of a step back when they brought him in. But overall, I mean, the team's just been very disappointing. There are a lot of people's picks, including mine, uh, to ultimately go all the way and win the Stanley Cup. And they have such a good team there. And to see it ending up like this is just incredibly disappointing. And high ceiling, high uh, high anticipation, but no results to show for it on at least a month and a little bit into the season. There's nothing substantial for them to prove that they can go far, like we mentioned in the, pre- in the preseason. When we were talking about this team, hyping them up, getting a bit of a scout of what they're going to look like on paper and on ice. And I don't know, they just haven't – There's I'm sure it's not going to be like this the entire year. This is, I think, a fair point on them. They have too much talent to not sit six in the central division uh, for this long. I think in a, a month from now, they're going to be in totally different waters. And if they're not, then you're going to have to start looking at some really in-depth on your team, who's what pieces are clicking, what is not. And the guy who is not, Darcy Kemper, man, he is, it's just been ugly for him in Colorado. And I know he's uh, dealt with so many injuries in the past with Arizona Coyotes, but I didn't expect them to be this slow out of the gate. And I think that's another thing that's mixing in the pot for the Colorado Avalanche. And the reason why they're just so slow out of the gate, we thought they'd speed up, nothing but the case. They're as slow as a turtle. And hopefully they're going to speed it up a little bit. And Adamo, I'm going to assign you with the New York Islanders sort of thing. I guess I'm going to give you guys all three teams to dissect. Islanders are five, three, and two. So not as bad as these other teams here. They're at least got a positive record going, but they still sit seventh in the Metro division. Now the Metropolitan is a competitive one. Uh, so many factors in that, in that division, so many teams that are producing and teams that are ready to win. Now, I think the New York Islanders, we expect them to do very well, such a complete team from top to bottom. And their defense is par to none. They're terrific. And they get it done night in, night out the way they're coached, the way they're managed. Barry Trust does a tremendous job with this group. We've seen regular season success and postseason success with the Islanders. But right now, sitting a month in, we're not seeing that much success yet. Is it something that concerns still? Because last time we were talking about the Islanders, they were also sitting around the bottom of the league. Is it something to panic about? Or is it just another thing where slow start, but they're going to heat it up? Um, Yeah, honestly. Um, I, I guess I've become the let's pump the brakes here type of guy on this podcast <laughs> today. But uh, the Islanders have never been a regular season team. If you look... Every time they make the um, they make the conference finals or they go on a deep playoff run, they never actually are supposed to. Like in the standings, they'll finish second, they'll finish third. Okay, first wild card spot. Um, they're more of a playoff team. So, um, like I'm just looking at their guys' numbers right now. 
like I guess Matt Barzal can kind of step it up. Seven points in 10 games isn't the greatest, but it's not bad. I'd take a guy who gets that. Um, there's not much to say. Um, Ilya Sorokin's been unreal, but that could also be a product of playing with um, a product of playing on the Islanders. I feel like they, they're one of those teams that can make goalies look good. Um, your starters also coming back. Um, Semyon Varlamov, he played, I think, one game and lost. Um, so we'll probably pump the brakes. But I can't say one thing. I did want to say one thing on mm. um, the Colorado Avalanche quickly. Um, you guys know I kind of like stats. Um, the Colorado Avalanche are sixth in the NHL in expected goals and sixth last in the NHL in goals four, meaning mm. – a team with this much talent at the Colorado Avalanche, they're going to regress, meaning they're going to go back to what they're supposed to do. And um, the league isn't ready for it. Like I'm predicting like they're going to have a historic run once McKinnon gets back. So, so I guess with stats, I guess numbers don't lie. They just aren't getting the puck in the back of the net. And it's looking like the, the expected goals. I'm not a big stat guy, but uh, it's just yeah. the luck is not there. I guess you could say, yeah. is that not a fair, am I, am I reading it wrong? No, no, that 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 is like, even the even okay. the Leafs were like underperforming their expected goals. And would you look mm-hmm. at that? They have a ridiculous shooting percentage the last six games. Yeah, and I mean, not similar teams in this respect of playoff success, but similar teams in the way they're structured and a little bit of the anticipation around them. We got high anticipation for the Leafs and also the Colorado Avalanche. So, like I mentioned before, I expect them to put it together in a month's time uh, when McKinnon comes back. I can totally see that happening because he's just star players do star like things. And I think he's just another example of that. He's done it throughout his career. And I think he's going to just keep up the pace. I think this is why I don't really ever like looking at the standings so early. I also still yeah. think a month is way too early to look at standings. Personally, when I'm ever looking at standings, it's, I really start paying attention three months in because they don't really mean not, nothing to me. I, the Leafs, I don't care where they're sitting in the standings yeah. as long as they're playing well and they're staying afloat because off the eye test, you kind of know where they're sitting, but I don't know. Standings never meant too much for me. And I don't know if it's going to mean too much for the teams I'm about to mention, because I don't know if it's way too sustainable. I'm going to let you guys uh, pick at it in just a bit, but the Detroit Red Wings, uh, they're sitting second in the Atlantic seven, five and two. Let's put some respect on their name because they haven't seen much of it in the last couple of seasons. Good to see them sort of starting to pull it together. Again, I personally don't think it's sustainable. I think you guys might jump on the boat with me and the St. Louis blues eight, two and one, they sit first in the central we had them i remember very very distinctly we had them sitting just on the outside looking in some some of us on the playoff picture and on that borderline last spot i don't know jared did you predict them finishing number one I, no no I, I had colorado number one i had st louis number two yeah i mean <laughs> you're, you're looking pretty solid right now everything's shipping up to uh top shape here but i want to ask you which teams will fade more uh, would it be the Detroit Red Wings? I expect to see a big fade from them. St. Louis Blues, they've been off to a terrific start again, first in the Central with an 8-2-1 record, but I, I don't know. Was it too good to be true? And even so, I want to bring it back to the Pacific Division. The Ducks have been red hot. Troy Terry is looking like Wayne Gretzky out there. Like, Jesus Christ, that guy is terrific. I have him in my fantasy league with a bunch of my buddies back home, and, oh, he's paying dividends right now. You got it's the LA Kings. In the NHL, eh? Yeah. He's the NHL in points. He's, he's ridiculous, man. Uh, the, the LA Kings, like we mentioned before, their winners are six straight. And San Jose, they had a hot start, but it's starting to even out a little bit. I, I mentioned them when we were talking about this before, I knew that they were going to fade and now we're starting to see it happen. Is it going to be the same message we're going to be seeing with the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks? Evan, what do you make of it? I know you got a pretty strong grasp on the California trio. 
yeah well now they want to do well when i leave like what the hell <laughs> like what's this i mean look troy terry has been unbelievable right now he's definitely one of the guys that's carrying the load for the anaheim ducks and i'm just so happy for him because like he he had a little difficult path getting to the nhl he had some stints these past couple of years where they gave him nhl time like they gave him time up in anaheim and then like gave him a five game window just didn't work out sent him back down to san diego like they really wanted this guy to do well and now that he's finally doing well i'm just so happy for him because he's definitely uh gonna be there for a long time along with uh jamie drysdale trevor zegra mason mctavish is there uh they got they got a great squad down there um in terms of the kings man like I, I wanted them to get Jack Eichel. I thought having that center core with Kopitar and Eichel, and then you also have Deneau, like that could have been really great. And the teams that win are the teams that have shut down an elite centerman, and the Kings would have had three of those. And at least until Kopitar leaves in a couple of years of age, then you have your two right there. And it's not like cap space would have been an issue for the Kings to re-sign Eichel if he wanted to, but I understand that like, He's in his prime. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. Like, I get it. Uh, like, I don't know if it is sustainable because I've always seen these spurts in, with Jonathan Quick in terms of L.A., obviously, where where he looks like his old self, the 2014-2012 self, and then he'll go back to being the mediocre 33-, 34-year-old goaltender that has really just lost his touch. So... I'm not ready to say, like, I think the Kings could possibly make the wild card. I am a fan of Calvin Peterson. I think he's been great, but um, I don't think they can have like that sustainable one, two goalie. I just, I, I don't have that belief in quick anymore. Now, I mean, I can see it not being as sustainable for these trio teams, but do you see one of these California teams? Would you go as far as two? like has the beginning of the season so far in a month's sample month's time is not a little bit, but it's not too much. Like it's a somewhat decent amount. Do you see one or two of these teams edging into the playoffs? I know it's early and I know I don't want to spark these talks, but they look pretty good. Much, much better than we expected. Yeah. I would definitely take the Kings over the ducks just for the fact that the ducks are a much younger team. And I do like the acquisitions that LA made. Uh, getting a guy like Alex Edler, I think is huge for guys like Matt Roy and uh, Sean Walker, who now is unfortunately out for the year, but I thought that would have been a huge, just veteran presence. And he's also a guy who's just not afraid to block a shot for, uh, for your team. And um, obviously getting Philip Deneau for such a long time now, like you can start to develop elite centermen with Tyler Madden and all that. But I think like right now, um, I think they need to make a trade before the deadline to acquire another defenseman. Kale Clogg has been great. Uh, but yeah, I think like, I think they're trending in the right direction. I think they have the right leadership for it. They still have the leadership from the 2012, 2014 run. So I would give them the edge there. I think I'd have to side with you there. They just got so many pieces that have done it before. And I think that's an undermined fact when you're dealing in all these cards with teams. I think the LA Kings have a lot more to bring to the table than the youngsters do in Anaheim 
which will be good in a couple of years, but let's pump the brakes on them. I think Adamo might've done that one for me a little bit better, but let's pump the brakes on the Ducks and even the uh, San Jose Sharks. I knew they were going to be a fader. I knew it was a, a really just hot run to start the year. There's just nothing really substantial there. And I just want to move the table along to the Red Wings and touch, briefly touch upon the St. Louis Blues as well. Adamo, what did you make of the Red Wings? I know they're seven, five and two second, the Atlantic. I don't know if it's sustainable. Maybe you'll back me on that as well or go against it, but the young guys are looking really good cider Raymond. And we gave them some love last week when we give the, uh, the post game with the red wings and we dissected that team there. But again, they're still finding ways to win something. I didn't really think we'd see from the Detroit red wings. Yeah. Um, I couldn't go the whole podcast with pumping the brakes. Let's let them, let's say freaking accelerate it. on the Detroit it. red wings. I love this team so much. I love their players. I think Tyler Bertuzzi is a great player, maybe not necessarily a human being, but great player. Um, Lucas Raymond is not only looking like the Calder favorite, but he's looking like the like this guy could make an all-star team good. 14 points in 14 games. And not only – were you going to say something? Can I propose one thing? I just want your clean take right here. Say it. Who's better, Raymond or Lafreniere? I thought you were going to say Caprizov. I was going to hit you. Um, so far, Raymond. I don't, even, I don't even think that's a discussion. Um, would, would Evan drop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, I actually wanted to do that, like to like drop a prediction in uh, the yearbook. But uh, even uh, Mo Sider, I was like, I thought I liked Mo Sider at the time. I think I drafted him what 2019, like sixth overall. Um, and that was like a ridiculously stacked draft, and you kind of see this defenseman who was supposed to go in like the late. 20s going sixth you're all like what the hell we're he's been insane too mm-hmm. and i don't think these are like rookie like um i don't know what the word i'm looking for I, I, beginner's luck i guess i think it's these are really really good players um i don't think they'll make the playoffs just because of how stacked the t- the uh atlantic and metros are but in terms of like sustaining and like winning, I could see them being like last year's New York Rangers. And just to touch upon one last thing for the Red Wings, I want to keep the line moving and get into the St. Louis Blues with Jared. But just I, I honestly thought I'd see a little more what we're seeing from the Red Wings. And I was really high. You guys go look back at the tape. Uh, I was really high on the New Jersey Devils, if you guys remember. And yeah. I, I was expecting to see this sort of style from the Devils team. It's just not working out yet. So I'm gonna still give it some time. Let let the let the wine mature here. But uh, I don't know. It's Remember, just the, like, the Devils are loose. They don't have their best forward. No, exactly. Like, they, they've got some different. They got a situation uh, brewing down in New Jersey, totally different from Detroit. They at least got their guys playing in Detroit, unless they're playing Canada when they're not a full roster. But yeah. uh, this this team's looking good. The Red Wings team. I think that's all I want to say about them. Don't want to complicate it too much. Yeah. But I don't want to keep it simple. Let's let this Red Wings team fly. And uh, one last thing, St. Louis Blues, Jared. You were high on them to start the year. Uh, you're 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 pretty right right now. So uh, what do you make of them? Are they going to fade at all or? Like I didn't expect them to see, I didn't expect eight, two and one good St. Louis blues. I thought maybe uh, five, two and two. Uh, it's, this is ridiculous. They're at eight wins. Um, first of all, before I'm going to get into the blues, I want to talk about the Red Wings a little bit. Mm, as much as sure. I like their team. I love that the young players are, are clicking. It reminds me a lot of the 16, 17 mm-hmm. Leafs. I'm actually going to gonna pump the tires a little bit on them. Ooh, purely hey. just because of the division. Uh, yeah. And look, see, Tonight, with the Leafs win, the Leafs actually uh, jumped ahead of them. So the Leafs are now second in the in the Atlantic. 
with the Red Wings uh, third. And the Lightning are currently sitting with two games in hand. Uh, they're currently one point back. The Bruins, with four games in hand, are currently four points back. So, I mean, they're as good as they've been. They're not secured with the, with the top dogs just yet. And as much as I'd like to see those young guys continue flying, those young guys maybe push this team on a miraculous run into the playoffs, I really just don't see it happening. And as cool as the, a story as it, it would be, I just don't see it happening this year. I think they have a bright future ahead with that team. I mean, I see Evan put in the chat, uh, you're a quote, Red Wings winning the cup in 2026. I mean, sure, maybe in 2026, they'll be a cup contender. I don't think they're ready to be that this year. And I personally, I, I see them being on the outside looking in. Ultimately, there's a chance they maybe squeak in, but I just don't see it. I mean, they're not as good as they've been. They're not secure enough in a playoff spot yet. And the teams like the Lightning and Bruins have yet to really get going and start playing with the dangerous teams that we know they, that they can be. Uh, so I'm just not ready to say that they're solidified as a top dog in the Atlantic just yet. I like what I'm seeing from the young players, as Adamo mentioned. Amarut side has been unbelievable. Lucas Raymond, this guy is looking like a lock for the Calder at this point, as early as it is. Uh, so I really like the story there in Detroit, but I'm just not too sold on it just yet. Uh, now, of course, to get into the St. Louis Blues, which was what I was asked about. Yes, I agree. I don't think they're going to be as dominant uh, as the season goes on. I do think the Avalanche will eventually take over and end up being the, uh, the kings of the Central Division. But I just like what I see with that team. I mean, there's a ton of stars on that team and a lot of young guys as well, like Jordan Cairo, for example, who's stepping up this year. I mean, from top to bottom, I genuinely have a lot of confidence in that lineup. It, I, I'm trying to think of what to say. I'm looking at the lineup right now on Daily Faceoff, but I mean, in general, they have guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, a lot of great players, and as well, Jordan Kyrou's looked really good, and just in general, they have a lot of pieces there that I, I'm pretty confident in, and this team is thriving because Jordan Bennington is doing well. I mean, even though he's fucking faking people out with those uh those fake hits for whatever reason he wants to do that, being an instigator, but right. I don't know. I, I like the team, and I don't know why people were so down on them going into the season. I think they're one of the top dogs in that central division. And I mean, obviously I have the Colorado Avalanche winning, but I mean, I think they're just as good as a team like the Winnipeg Jets and teams such as that. I mean, you look at that lineup from top to bottom. Yes, it's not stellar. I don't see them uh, recreating their run in 2019 where from January on where they were absolutely untouchable and ended up winning the Stanley Cup. But I, I like what I see there. I think they should be maybe if not this dominant moving forward uh, the rest of the year. But I mean, I think they sh still should be competitive for the rest of the year. I think they should have no problem making the playoffs. And I think they should be a competitive team once they get there. I, again, don't see them winning the cup or anything such as that, but I like what I see on this team. And I have no reason to say that they should uh, go down moving forward. I I'm trying to think of how to word that, but I mean, I have no reason to believe that they're going to start struggling from here. I think they, they should just get better. And if the rec even if the record isn't as ridiculous by the end of the year, I think they should have no problem being a, a second or third place team in the central division. I think they're a really good team, actually. And I, I just think the vast majority was down on them heading into the year was just because you needed guys, like you mentioned, Jordan Bennington, such a big question mark last year. Uh, you needed a guy like him to really step up. And again, heading into the year, he was a huge question mark. He's beginning to put up some answers. And those are reasons why he stole a lot of games for the St. Louis Blues over the course of this year. And uh, I think that's the one of the major reasons why they're up, like you said. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people sort of didn't bite us 
well on the St. Louis Blues team. They have one thing that many teams don't have, and I think it was evident when they won the cup. They have fight, and this team really doesn't like losing. And you can see it from the way they're built, the way they're coached, the way they're managed, the way the players play on the ice, their forechecks, the whole style of game they play and bring to the table. They always put up a fight and something to – something different that other teams don't bring uh, to the, to the game. And I think that's something that not many people look at it's yeah, the players are stepping up, but those players have a mental something turning in the back of their head. That's saying, listen, we got to get to this puck first. We got, I know I sound, it sounds pretty basic. All teams should be doing this, but it looks like more years than not. And when they're rolling, the St. Louis blues are hitting that one to the T. So uh, I think that's all we got to say about St. Louis. I don't expect them to be like you mentioned, Jared. I don't think they're going to be eight, two and one good for the rest of the year. They're probably going to get overtaken by the star studded lineup of the Colorado avalanche, but let's enjoy the St. Louis blues while they last, because they're not playing the blues right now. And they're definitely on a hot run. See if it keeps up. And I think that's all I want to say about this team. Before we get into the Jack Eichel situation, we have finally come to a close. Evan, you're probably going to get the most screen time you've ever had on the show when I throw it over to you. But I just want to introduce the topic because Jack Eichel on the show, at least he, he, he brings a sort of soft spot to these uh, these episodes because since we started this show, it was all the way back in Valentine's Day of last season. That's when the trades talks sort of started churning a little bit with Jack Geichel. And I can tell you every single week I have it my buddy on the show. He knew a lot about the Jack Geichel. He's a huge fan of him. He would always bring up the news around him, his the rumors and his takes, all that kind of stuff. And he predicted that these rumors would sort of come out. And uh, it's just how this trade has sort of grown with the show. It's sort of an test to how much the show has come along so i just want to say that before we get into the the mean potatoes of jack eichel making his way to vegas because this situation has been brewing for quite some time and it just shows how far the show has come so uh he's finally going to now the guy who's taken up most of our show mr evan davis he's uh finally going to his team now i'm going to bring up the trade before i throw it over to you so jack eichel was finally after long negotiations long hard fought nights of him uncertainty billboards being put up in Buffalo of get him to this team, get him out of Buffalo, let him escape the fire. He has finally been traded to the Vegas golden Knights. Uh, a 2023 third round pick made its way to Vegas as well. In exchange for forwards, Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs, a 2022 first rounder and a 2023 second rounder. And Jack, Jack Eichel will finally be allowed to proceed with his surgery that will likely sideline him for three to five months. And one thing I want to say about the pick is that it is top 10 protected. So I believe that means if Vegas finishes, I don't see this happening, but if they were to finish so, so low in the league that they uh, get a top 10 pick, or maybe they win the lottery, who knows of the way this stuff works, uh, they would not get the top 10 pick. So Buffalo would not get that pick. I think they get a second round pick or something like that. No, no, no. So basically what happens you is probably know if, more than me. if yeah. Vegas if Vegas doesn't finish in the top 10, Buffalo mm-hmm. gets their first round pick next year. Right. Okay. So yeah, that's if, was... like, God forbid Vegas finishes in the top 10, it's Buffalo's pick. If they don't, it's Buffalo's first round. Buffalo gets Vegas's first round pick next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It makes much more sense. But again, uh, I'm going to just let you talk over here. What did you make of the trade? And more so was maybe trying to focus on this. I thought there was an interesting angle to look at it. Was the injury really the main reason that Jack Eichel got moved or was it maybe the last domino in a series of things that sort of led to his trade? Like, was there other things maybe pouring in? You could rewind it years prior. Was there any other things pouring into him leaving uh, Buffalo or was this is it just strictly injury based? Couldn't get the surgery. That's the only reason why he's getting out of here. 
Well, yeah, I mean, look, Jack Eichel is a guy who, I mean, like, I'll, I'll do a timeline back to when he was even with the NTDP, and he's he's known as a winner, and then you, he goes to Boston College and wins the Hobie Baker in his freshman year. I think he had, like, 69 points in 41 games. Like, he was unbelievable. Like, he's a guy who's used to winning, and unfortunately, when you're that good of a talent at age 18, you go to a crappy team, and that's how the draft lottery is, and unfortunately, Buffalo is just a tough market because, one, they're not known for having success, and two, it's also just it's a tough city. Like, Buffalo is not, like, a very attractive city for for guys to go to it's cold most of the time like there's nothing really there I mean it, it doesn't really scream top market and I, so that was definitely one of the issues I listened to the spitting chiclet it's a uh, podcast that he did like immediately after getting traded and he also just said that management was an issue when um when the general manager got fired I want to say three years ago they brought in a new set of uh, management and it just they didn't click and Jack Eichel finally got to the point in his career he understands I believe he's now 24 or 25 and he understands that this is his prime and he doesn't want it to go to waste and he just said like if you want to do a rebuild make me the guy that gets you the players because I don't like I'm just done and the surgery then after that definitely played a huge factor. I think that was about 80% of the, the meat as to why he wanted to get out of there because they weren't letting, they weren't letting him control his own body. And you don't really see that issue. Like usually teams are pretty lenient with players saying like, okay, like if this is what your agent's recommending, like go for it. And that's why Vegas was like, do it. Like we don't care. And, I'm a little frustrated that it took that long for him to get traded. I think Jack Eichel is too, because it's not like the return of Buffalo got for Eichel was anything extraordinary to say the least. Like Alex Tuck's a great player. Peyton Krebs can be a great player, but they're not going to be Jack Eichel. And I think it was very selfish on Buffalo to do what they did. Now Eichel's out until about March. He could have, started the season maybe in November with whatever team he got traded to. And um, I think right now it's going to be very difficult for them to recruit anyone as if it wasn't any harder before it is a thousand times harder because whatever Jack Eichel says, the NHL is going to believe. 100%. That is a very interesting angle you take. And I, it's just, Something that doesn't get as much attention because it's more on the inside thing where you're looking at what players say between other players, what managers sort of uh, negotiate in the off season, during the season, what's happening on the inside of the lines. And it's definitely going to spill over. I think Jack Eichel's the first domino to fall, uh, if you will, because we haven't seen something like this happen in recent time where a player wanted to get a surgery. Usually teams are relatively okay with it. I know the surgery is a little bit of a different one. It's more of a, I don't want to say hit or miss, but it's relatively new. We don't know too much about it. Buffalo. Now you got to see kind of where they're coming from. They wanted to play it safe. This is their generational talent on the line. And I'm sure if it was the Leafs or any other team that has some top players in the league, the Edmonton Oilers, they would want to play it safe as well. But the, uh, they didn't allow him to get the surgery, and this is what had to ha- happen from it. Now, Evan, I just want to ask you, because I feel like I'm going to turn this Eichel situation, this talk, more to you, and then we're going to move on. 
what did you make of the deal? Like, is, is this something that Vegas is like, they're now, they just skyrocketed to favorites to hoist the cup or because this team, I was looking at the lines and, oh boy, was the media really heavy on giving, giving me the scoop on what the lines are going to look like when everyone's healthy. That team, oh, they look dangerous when everyone is uh, back and firing. Like, what do you make of that? Just your thoughts on the trade. Yeah, I don't know if the media really took into account the cap situation mm-hmm. that Vegas now has to face. Like, understand, they traded away Marc-Andre Fleury, who was only making $7 million. Jack Eichel's making ten, And I understand that they traded Alex Tuck. He's only making $4.5 million, And... Peyton Krebs is still on the entry level deal. So he's making less than a million dollars. So I don't know. Like, I think the media was like kind of saying if everyone is healthy, like this is what an ideal lineup can look like, but you got to understand guys like Riley Smith, William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall. So are all making somewhere around four to $5 million. And that's their second line. And then your first line, you have Mark Stone, I believe is making, I want to say around like 8 million. I don't know. I know Max Pacioretty's also around $8 million. Um, You got Alex Petrangelo, who's making around like $7 million. Uh, I don't know the contract for Shea Theodore, but I know Alec Martinez is also making around like three and a quarter, maybe close to four. So I'm curious to see what this team looks like when Jack Eichel is back, because I, I know their lines aren't going to be the same way that the media is perceiving it, because Jack Eichel makes more than Marc-Andre Fleury and they got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury for a prospect who probably won't be seeing uh, much of Vegas or Henderson. I don't know where the hell he is, but <laughs> it, it was an inter- I was surprised when Vegas got him. Cause I was like, how do you move on from Fleury? But you're like, we'll take Eichel. And I think that might be what it's going to boil down to. We got rid of Flurry, and I think this might be a way that the Vegas Golden Knights are trying to digest it. We got rid of Flurry, freed up cast base, and in exchange, we made some room for, I would probably consider when he's healthy and when he's firing, a top five player in this league. And it's, uh, I guess that's just a, another case of the checks and balances that is the National Hockey League. And I, I don't want to spend too much time on Jack Eichel because I feel like throughout the entire year, we've sort of chimed in our thoughts and what this means and uh, how this situation evolves. So I think everyone listening knows the storyline, all that kind of stuff. So I want to end it here on the Jack Eichel's talk. And I want to bring it to probably the most famous uh, segment on this show. It is time for season two, episode eight of the trivia Oh, guys, I oh, already Trigger <laughs> Fingers is getting happy, excited, and I don't blame him because we got a fun one today. Lots of cool questions, and I'm going to give the disclosure to the audience. Shuffled up the cards a little bit, and I'm going to deal with these guys a little bit of uh, some surprising ones, but I want to make this one clear. We have a couple questions. This was brought up by, I'm going to give him full credit, Jared here. He uh, came to came to me and told me that we can maybe bring it a little bit interesting, more interesting to the table and uh, say, listen, we're going to have one guy list. It could be any situation whatsoever. Uh, list them and see how far they can, do, they can go. If you remember, we went into the NHL covers where Evan dropped the ball immensely. Yo, uh, he yo, couldn't get past the 2015. Like, we don't need to bring up ancient history, my guy. Like, <laughs> like Dude, like, yeah, I, I was in my feels after that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. But again, it's going to be sort of that style for some questions where you have to name stuff from a list. And if one guy can't get it, 
the next guy's got to step up, name everything that he went on and try to finish it. I'm sure once I explain it and we go through it, you guys are going to understand. It'll make much more sense. But why not get it started right now? So question one of season two. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love those. I love those, Jerry. Rocket, baby. Rocket. Anyways, question one of season two, episode eight. Here we go. So the St. Louis Blues and Minnesota Wild will be participating in this season's Winter Classic to open up the new year. Which teams played in the Winter Classics over the last seven years? So since 2012. 2013, I'll give you the disclaimer, did not hold a game due to the lockout. Evan, you got your hand up first. Can you name me the Winter Classics from last season? So I guess that would be 2020 all the way down to 2012. Okay, well, there wasn't a Winter Classic last year, obviously, because of because yeah. of the shortened season. So I know uh, Nashville and Dallas played. Can, does it matter what order I go in, or can I just list the teams? Uh, it matters which way you go in, yeah. yeah. So you got to go 2020, 2019, 2018. So like I can't, okay, can't jump nah. from like a 2020 to a 2020. Oh, okay. So like I can't just like list the teams that were in it. No, you got to go 2020, which teams? 2019. Oh, this, this is why it's getting a okay, little tricky. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So 2019, 2019 was Nashville and Dallas. I believe 2018 was uh, Chicago and St. Louis. Uh, like, Skirt them out. Wait, what? Is that not wrong? Is that not wrong? Say it again. I said Chicago. I, I don't my tab here. So what was, Ch- what was 2019? I said 2019 was Dallas and Nashville. Yeah, I cut him. There you go. He's already gone. Wait, what? <laughs> 2020, 2020 was Dallas and Nashville. Remember when uh, Perry got ripped out of the game for oh, some uh, tw- period? Jeez, that was already 2020. I know. Yeah, it goes by that fast. Was like right Dude, I forgot that COVID happened in March. It's been so yeah, long. Yep. All right, so you're already booted. We got uh, right. maybe I probably a wouldn't have gotten that far anyway. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is. A, I, I couldn't do it either on my first try, but Dude, Donald, I, see if you can pick up. COVID's been how, so long. How far do I have to go? Far? Gotta go till 20, uh, 2012 and 2013 okay. didn't have a game. <laughs> and then okay, whoever, so. whoever gets closest will get the point. If you guys can't all get it. Okay. So, so Evan didn't make oh, too much fuck. of a dent. Oh man. Cause I can't even think of the, okay. Right. So 2020 was mm-hmm. the Dallas stars. Or the Dallas STDers, as their jersey said, and the um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Nashville Predators, twenty nineteen. Is it bad? Oh, I don't I don't watch the I don't watch the Winter Classics. I don't think I, I don't cool. I don't pay too much attention. Like, but there's a lot of I watch the intros, yeah. but I don't remember what teams were in. <laughs> okay, I, I just I know where the jerseys. That's what I'm going by. I want to say the Chicago Blackhawks, and. I don't know. It's always fucking Chicago. Uh, oh, Chicago Blackhawks, Boston Bruins. There we go. You got one off the board. I remember that. What? I actually remember watching that. Bruins had those beautiful white jerseys with the B yeah. stripes on the yeah, sleeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go yeah, the yeah, black yeah. jersey. Okay. Now I got to go 2018. 2018. Was. The... I have a feeling the, the era might end here because this, this yeah, one was actually your little. Uh... I want to might have to know like, this one to know it. Actually? Well, it's a little out there. I'll give you that. Why do I think like the Kings, but I don't think so. Oh, buddy. If we play no, the, the King, Winter Classic. They, there was a stupid like outdoor game. It was a stadium, game. Stadium, was a stadium series. Who thought that was a good idea? Anyways. Dude, it was a sick game. You should have been there. It was awesome. If, did you pull up in shorts? Like, yeah, I, I literally happened. pulled like <laughs> our whole team pulled up in shorts and sandals. That's hilarious. It was 77 degrees. <laughs> 
uh, I don't know, um, Washington Capitals. And is that is Washington Capitals one of them? Okay, no. give it to Jared. All no right. Clue. So oh. this is man. I knew this was hard. I'm gonna yeah. give whoever gets closest. Yeah, yeah. I think that's you, more. Yeah. So whoever can go you. furthest. So Jared, you uh, you're up, man. Pick up the pieces starting from 2020. Hey, 2020 National Predators, Dallas Stars. Yep. 2019 Chicago Blackhawks, Boston Bruins. Yep. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna Chicago Blackhawks, St. Louis Blues. I, I know Chicago had a bunch in a row, so I, I feel like that was one. Oh man, you were one off. That was 2017. That was. I, like, I knew that was one, but I just. That was seriously remember. 2017. Listen, I, I I understand 2018. Like I'm oh, looking I at it on my screen. Yeah, it's it's a random. Match. I didn't even know that happened. Can you Having, like say like? Do you want me to? Do you want me to give was, you guys 2018? No, yeah, yeah just go in order because I don't fucking remember. Like I, this one I didn't even know happened. I'm gonna be flat out. Okay, like, I'll give you guys 2018. To, but what was 2018? Once Wait, I give it, it to Boston, you, Boston, Montreal. No, no, no. no. So 2018, 2018 was Buffalo, New York. Really random, really out there. Wait, wait, wait. They played. I remember that. Who the fuck gave the Sabres a winner? Who gave them that power? <laughs> well, apparently, Gary Bedman has some. Uh, no, soft Gary Bedman's a waste of sperm now. Like, who gives Buffalo a winner class? Oh, Lord. Wait, wasn't that when, like, the Rangers won in overtime or something? Like, it was like some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah How right. do I remember that? But I don't remember who the fuck played. <laughs> yeah. JT All right. Scores a rebound. No so, whoever, whoever raised their hand next. We'll uh, get to go on to the well. Okay, I get I back up there. All right, I he beat you by like a millisecond. I win. All right, so yeah. I gave you 2018. We are all the way. So we're at 2017 because that was Jared's guess as well. So you have to name the net the last three. Sorry, the last four. So that would be 2012, 2014, 2015, and 2016. Huh? Huh? Oh wait, was 2012 um this one was a pretty popular one, I think. That one was played okay. Wait, oh I know wasn't that one played that was Boston. Was that Boston in New York? No, 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 I actually know that one. Who the oh wait? Oh wait, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Jared, you gotta say it. 2012. It's could I go backwards or do I have to go go whichever word or do you want? Oh, you. yeah, now you're generous. Okay, I feel, I feel like I'm better. I have a better chance that way. So I'm going, okay, 2017 to St. Louis, Chicago. That's what mm-hmm. I said. Uh, 2016. Hold on, hold it's on, hold on. My God, it's, co- it's cooking, it's cooking. Um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking of jerseys. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay. My bar mitzvah was in 2016, and I had a Chicago Blackhawks, I believe it was a Winter Classic jersey. I don't remember if it was, like, the game was played in 2016, though, or if it was just, like, a Winter Classic jersey from a year prior. So I'm thinking, God, but would they literally do 2016 and 2017? I don't know. Um, Fuck, I need a guess. Uh, Let's go here. Put them on the clock. <laughs> Uh, Chicago Blackhawks, Pittsburgh Penguins. Why not? What happened? No. Okay, how far back do I have to go? So we got left on the board 2016, 
2015, 2014, and Wait, didn't just look it up though, like a minute or two ago? No, I looked up 2018. Oh, sure. I want to get a replay review on that one real quick. Well, we'll see how far we can get. Go What's 2016? Not 20. I know 2011 because 2011 was important to me. Mm-hmm. But that's not one of them. Yeah. No. Fuck. I'm going 2012. I'm trying to think of the jerseys. Didn't 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 the Flyers have like a nice one? I'm trying to th- I swear yes, the Flyers no. did. Maybe so. I think I can't really give I can't really give you that information yet. <laughs> Mario's like, we can't disclose that. We can't disclose that. Because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Claude Drew on NHL 13 had the the jersey on. I don't I don't remember, but I remember something about the Flyers having a nice jersey. It might have been a cream one. Creme de la creme. I don't know if they had a cream jersey. Shit, I don't know. Flyers. Is this for 2012? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Then, because Chell 13. Wait, am I allowed to go after Adama? Like, are we going in order? Or like, Well, Jared's had his hand up, so. Wait, he I thought we're going. I, I don't know, man. Flyers, Islanders. Ooh. No. No. Wait, Jared, I thought we man. were going in order here. What the no, I, I raised my hand fair and square. I, I read the rule book. He, he read the rule book clean. What is, what is, do you want to go 2012 or do you want hey, to you know, I'm going 2012 just because I want to answer 2014. So, uh, 20, I think Pittsburgh Penguins, Philadelphia Flyers, 2012. All right, Evan's oh, time to shine. Oh, Evan and you're guys. It was okay. being around the bush. When you said, when you said like it was a member one, I remember it was the Rangers and the Flyers in Bingo. 2012. Oh, 2012 is correct. Evan's got it. You got 14, 15, and 16 left on the board oh, to be crowned the fuck, points. Buddy. 2014. Okay, 2014 has got to be a give me. 2014 was the Leafs and Red Wings, right? There you go. You got 2014. Now you, all you got left is 15 and 16. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um... 2015. Oh my god. Um fucking hand. 2015 was um it's gotta be a screenshot of Evan. This is what trivia does to a man. <laughs> gets, gets him Make on his that last the limbs. fucking thumbnail. Um I want. I I feel like Chicago was in 2015 as well, but they're also in it like every year. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I want to say 20. Was it Chicago Boston? No, not Chicago Boston. Donovan, <sighs> you got left to name 2015 and 2016. If you can get them right, you grab the points. Wait, why does he get the points? What the fuck? Well, because he would be closest to oh, no, all the ones I mentioned. <laughs> okay, I remember that. Montreal and Boston had a matchup somewhere. I don't remember which one. So yeah, you got. Do I gotta gotta, gotta say I got a fifty? Okay, shit. Um, yeah, let's think logically here. Fifteen. Who won the cup? The Kings. So they probably wouldn't put the Blackhawks. Then sixteen, the Blackhawks won. Would they have won in a year? They had a no. I think I increased my odds. I'm gonna go fifteen. Bruins Habs. No. Fuck. All right. After Jared, Jared can I go? And Jared, probably man, to like probably one got, more guess. Like for Jared and I, yeah, then we gotta guess this question. To guess yeah, this. this well, Jared yeah. is process of elimination, Jared. This is you, you should have it. I think okay. donuts across the I board. think I think 2015 
Washington, Chicago. Here we go. In 2016. 2016. Oh, boy. The Boston Jared. Bruins against the Montreal Canadiens. That is correct. Jared Damn. has the – He is up one to nothing. The glasses. The glasses the are carried. Oh, you stupid glasses. Dude, everyone rock glasses. For on. how, like, hype the Winter Classic is, like – it's always like it just goes down like the drain in terms of like who actually remembers it because it's also just a regular season game. Oh, can I download these? Mm-hmm. All right, hands down. We got question two coming up. Damn it! Put that hand down. Boy. <laughs> All right, question two. This is in light of the Maple Leafs and the Philadelphia Flyers matching up tonight. So Leafs legend James Van Riemsdyk played six seasons with the team before uh, before being traded back to the team he was drafted by, the Philadelphia Flyers. Who did the Leafs trade to acquire JVR? Adamo, this one is, I don't know. You guys may have it, or maybe you guys don't know at all. I knew it off the hop. Why so. am I panicking? Why am I panicking? So, I, know I don't know if it's it Luke is. A Shen. It's Luke Shen? It's Luke Shen. It is Luke Shen. Okay. Uh, the, the grip okay. off the Band-Aid as fast as possible. <laughs> don't give it time to stutter, because yeah, you're I, correct. I was that say. is a point for Adamo. So it is one Jared, one Adamo, and... I could have guessed this one off the hop. Evan was zero points. Cool. All right. Yeah, well, I don't know like Leafs history as much. Well, this is kind of a scam. Well, I hope you know just the general history of the National Hockey League. Question three should suit all of you pretty darn well. The Tampa Bay Lightning hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup in each of the past two seasons. Which teams won the Cup over the last 12 years? Since 2009. Well, I so- got first. Can you name me, Evan, because you put your hand up first. Can you Crap. name me the Stanley Cup champions between 2009 and 2000? I guess you want to go 20? Get Tampa Bay off the board. 2000, 2010? No, 2009. 2009. We're sticking with the guns here. Holy 2009, fuck. I know this. Do you want to start from top or bottom? If you get this I'll start wrong, from the top. Right. I'll start from the top. I think that's a better choice. <laughs> okay, I'll start from the top here so I can, like, at least, like, I'll pro- it'll probably come to me over time. So wait, where are we starting from? Just start 2020. 2020. Okay, so 2020 was Tampa the Bay. Bubble. Yep. Bubble. bubble playoffs. 2019 was uh, St. Louis. Yep. Oh, my God. 2018 was – oh, my God. How am I already forgetting? 2018 was – oh, fuck. Oh, my God. How am I already forgetting? 2018 was the Washington Capitals. Fuck that. Go. Fuck the Capitals. Uh, 2017 would have been, um, oh my God. How am I so bad with history? Uh, 2017 would have been, fuck. How am I this bad? Um, oh my God. 20, I I can't believe I'm this bad already. (laughs) Should I I put a time limit on these? I think you got to put a time limit. I'll give you, I'll give you 10 seconds each pick. Get out of here. Is that that not generous enough or what do you think? Yeah. 15? Oh, 2017. Fuck. 2017 was. Uh, oh wait. No. 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 Never mind. I don't Ten. Nine. Was it Pittsburgh eight. or no? Correct. Yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins won 2017. Pittsburgh Penguins won 2016. Correct. Chicago. Chicago won 2015. Correct. The Kings won 2014. Correct. He's rolling. Blackhawks won 2013. Correct. Kings won 2012. Correct. Uh, Boston won 2010. I'm sorry, 2011. I mean, 2011. I mean, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nah, sorry. You, you but like, I, I was going down. He was going the order. Sorry, I was forgetting line. I'm sorry. Give it Boston won 2011. Yep. I want to say 
Hopefully did Chicago win 2010 as well? That is correct. And you got one more left. Oh my god! And then 2009. If it's me, I'm jumping on this. Oh, 2009 this... was the um, Pittsburgh Penguins. Five. That is correct. He completes the sweep. Doesn't give a chance or the light of day for these guys to talk. Evan gets on the board. We are knotted up at one. Let's... <laughs> one's across the board, and uh, I will add this up in just a moment. I'll get I'll get out uh, last week's episode as well just so I know the full tallies. And I got a bonus question for you guys. Ooh. It's up to you if you want to play it, though. Yeah. It's not an all or nothing or anything. It's just uh, if you get it, you get two points, because this one I don't expect anyone to get. All right. All. Wait, we got to put the hands down, boys. We got to put the hands down. Put the hands down. Jared, right. you got to take the shades off. I got to see what you're thinking real quick. <laughs> all right. Oh, 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 he's thinking some real shit right there. <laughs> All right. It's a me, a mine. So this bonus it's question. November. It's November. November. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. I got the stash going right now. Does Jory approve of the new should stash? I just, should I just get rid of this. I did shave the November stash. Jory did not approve. <laughs> not approve, eh? Dude, I can't believe I forgot about 2017. I was like, was that the year they went back to back, or was it 2016, 2015? But then I was like, Blackhawks. I'm so mad I didn't get that question. And you, yeah. you should have gone farther back. 2009 was too recent. I I That's love those. 12 years. years. No, that yeah, like it would have taken a while. I think. That's funny. 2008, okay, 2008 Red Wings. 2007, Detroit, Anaheim Ducks. Wasn't 2008 like the Red Wings or something? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I remember like Marion Hosa went from like yeah, Pittsburgh to Detroit. And everyone felt 2007, bad. 2007, the Ducks. 2006, Carolina. Yeah. 2005, no one. Didn't happen. 2004, Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. We get it. You fucking like uh, ejaculate yourself to the Stanley Cup winners because you haven't had one in 50 fucking years. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 67, Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's move this thing yeah, along. Bonus get, question get here bonus before question. we uh, sign off in the podcast. So this one, it's out there. I was actually, I'm going to give credit to my boss from work. He actually gave this question to me today. Quick and plug. I was blown away from it. Quick plug to what he is known at work, the tent daddy, Dalton Frood. <laughs> Got to give a shout out to him. If, uh, if none of you get this, I might buy him a pack of cigarettes because he guaranteed whoa, that no whoa, one would get wait, this. Wait, we, so. don't, we don't condone smoking. On we the don't condone smoking, but he's passed that bridge immensely. <laughs> All right. So here's the question. Which two brothers combined for the most points in NHL history? Oh, Gretzky's. The Gretzky's. Wow. Yeah, we know in the brother at four. I one. am surprised. Yeah, that's like the Brent had one. No, Brent had four. He had one goal. For, uh, oh, did he? Assists. Yeah, oh, that's like the easiest that's question. Yeah, that's like a known question. Really? Yeah, wow. Well, I'm just, I'm just like memes about that. Yeah. Yeah, there's so points. many memes like on Instagram, like especially like on the anniversary of like Gretzky's trade to LA, everyone like points out the fact that his brother was just like a garbage can. <laughs> Man, I am I am actually surprised. Who's second? That was Dan, Dan Barry Trash's legend, though. You're <laughs> second. I don't know who's second. Uh, it's then Sandine Probably the Sandine Sandine Sandine. twins. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe Sandine. stalls actually. I uh, I saw it was Sandine's. Oh, maybe on Google. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Anyways, do you know what this means, Adamo? What does it mean? It means that you jumped to a pretty big, uh, pretty big lead here. Wait, wait. I think we all you kind of raised don't give it. the points. Don't give you don't want points. We kind of all raised it. We all knew that one. You want me to ask you? That's kind of hogwash. I had ask one me, more bonus ask, question. Yeah, yeah ask us another one. Because like, I got it first. This is for the two points. 
Yeah. All right. Let me look all, it up just so I make. Uh, we all kind of jump. Through, hey, right. Lower those hands points. We kind of all jump the gun there. That like you can't like. And we all got I that am. relatively quick. All right. Hey, a demo. A demo. Just you. Yeah. Okay. A demo. Let's lower that hand. You fucking cheater. I'm talking about on the virtual Zoom. I'm watching. All right. You. I'm so talking here. about. Okay. I mean, like the hand in your. Here's a question. Oh, that doesn't matter. Who did Josh Levo? get traded to and who is the player that got, got traded for are you talking about like when he got traded, traded from to, like the leafs like to so when he went from the leafs to vancouver. vancouver so he went to the vancouver canucks okay and who was the and player he has not played with the toronto maple leafs he never played with them never oh, played with them. wait i know um, wait i might know i don't, I don't would, know. It be, would it be um, give me a freaking second it's no, his fuck he's off. got he's got second. the spotlight man give me a second here oh my god Two Holy points on the line. Wow. I know who it is. Oh, I know who it is too. He's a minor leaguer. What the frig was his name? He was a good one too. Oh my god, he put up a shit ton of points. What? what? No. It, oh my god, what was his name? I know who it is, and if you're gonna say the name, and I'm gonna be pissed. I I, can I know this. No, am I, turn, am I turning this over to you seconds. guys if he gets it wrong, or is it just seconds? Him? Um, motherfucker. Friggin' oh my god, what is his name? Uh he's a center, I think, right? I think he was a center on the Marlies and he led them in scoring. Fuck. It up for you. Fuck. What is his name? Oh, his name it's it's gonna bother me. Cause I actually like not followed the Marlies, but like I'd like to keep track of them every so often. I'll give you some hints because this is hard. He plays for Arizona now. It wasn't Galchenyuk. <laughs> It was like, like Cal Chen, yeah. <laughs> like on the Coyotes or on like Tuscan? Uh, Can't disclose that. Tuscan. Yeah. He wasn't Tuscan now. He's on an NHL. Can I? Can I like go out? You got 10 seconds. I'm going to have yeah. to put the clock on you. Um, 10, okay. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Agostino. No. Good guess, though. Good guess. Can I, wait, can I guess now? Is it cool if I throw it over to him for two points? Two points? No, but give it to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> give him one. I'll give you, I'll give you give one, one point. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> hey, this is for the lead, man. I feel like I should be content with the two. No freedom till we're equal. Damn right, I supported it. Yeah, there right. you go. I, Who's the player? Was it Jordan Subban? No, no good guess, no. though. I thought it, because like, I knew... I just I, I googled it. It's I wasn't getting it. Jared, I'm I, going over to you, I and I'm not bringing it back. It. I'm not bringing the train. No, don't, back. don't. He's not going to get this. <laughs> it's uh, it's. It, did you search it up? Yeah. Oh my god, who the fuck would pull this out? Of um, this? Jared, if I, I'm not even joking, if you get this, I'll I'll give you ten bucks. It's yeah, it's ten ten dollars no and Google. two points in the Hands line. up, no Google. Hands up, no Google. Like I just googled it. Hands up, no Google. I just yeah. googled um, it. If you get it. You're legit the biggest Leafs fan I've ever seen. Like off the top of my head, I don't think I know it. Could he give me position? I can yeah, give you sure. position. He's winger. a left winger. Five like in nine, bed, or you mean like on the ice? <laughs> oh god! This <laughs> one took a turn. And uh, uh, I'll give you a hint. He's got a sick Italian name. Oh, I'm gonna give him. Uh, nah, yeah, that one. It was, I guess it was an Italian. Like, Italian would, name damn it! Would that even help? No, it would. It wouldn't have. Uh. Enzo Ferrari. 
<laughs> I don't know, a sick Italian name. Not a hockey player, but <laughs> no, I, I don't know it. I'm tapping out. All right. Well, I, I don't know if he flies like Mr. Enzo Flores and, and Enzo Ferrari's inventions do, but his name is Michael Carcone. 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 Yeah. Dude, like, like now, now that you say the name, it rings a bell. But I oh, wouldn't have guessed. Oh yeah, it. oh yeah. No, I, no, but I, I swear, no, like, I know the does. name, but I wouldn't have guessed it. I wouldn't. I'm not going to claim now. that I would have guessed it. I, right. I honestly thought it was Jordan Sumac because I remember he spent time in uh, actually, Vancouver. Who did I think it was? Because like he used to play for Utica like for a very long time. That is a good call. Yeah, Jordan Subban. It was on that team too, actually. Yeah, so that's why, like, I remember, like, Subban got traded. I didn't know if it was, like, in that minuscule trade for Josh Levo. Like, it would make sense, though, because it's not like you're really trading much. Wow, but... we really got nothing for him. Holy cow. Do you have any other questions? Uh, oh, wait. Uh, I, I do not. And not so we also got to get this. Uh, Probably have to wrap this, this up. One. Huh? Yeah, she's running a little long, so. Oh, Jordan Subban now plays in the ECHL. What the L? This is done. Oh, Anyways, I'll give the update on the standings right now. So, Jared. Has five points. Adamo's got five points. And Evan, if you didn't butcher last week's NHL cover, uh, he would. I'm going to keep opening these old wounds. He uh, would have five, but right now kick he's Kick a man four. to the curve while he's already down. I will. I'll kick a man when he's down. All right. So I guess then the the uh, the Stanley Cup ones was kind of clutch, I guess. I was going to say, I think Adamo should get one point for his guy. He shouldn't get the two because double, like everyone knew it. But he still got an answer right. I think a damn for what? What did he get for the Gretzky question? Yeah, but we all answer. Like we all like raised. Yeah, but he still he raised his hand first. He he gets the points for that. No, we don't. We don't fucks with that. I gotta. I gotta. So I got. I'd say give him the one point, even though it, it takes the lead from me. Like or it takes the tie. I, I think a demo deserves a point. I, there. I, I felt bad right. for taking two. I also got the Vancouver Canucks part. Well, that's like, true. I kind of got like you'll, a you'll, point I, I knew it was Vancouver too. I yeah. Honestly, when he first brought up the question, I thought it was a quick uh, trick question. I thought he was dropped on waivers because, I mean, VC was dropped on waivers, mm-hmm. picked up ba- by Vancouver. Uh, there was another one, too. Boyd. Uh, Travis Boyd. Tra- Travis, Travis Boyd. Boyd. So, yeah, so I, I thought that it was a trick question. I thought we just lost the Lebo to waivers, but I guess not. Well, off of the host's, uh, host's knowledge here, I'm giving you the extra point. Uh, Jared is also... He preached much of your case, so you can thank him for that extra point. So up to the standings as of now. Uh, so Jared, Seriously, for the uh, what's that award called again? Gentleman award. One you won for oh, Lady Bing. Lady Bing. There you go. So he's got he's making the case pretty known. So Jared sits with five points. Evan sits with four, and Adamo leads the way with six points on the year. I believe that is our third episode of trivia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So three episodes of trivia, and we uh, we're getting interesting. It's a close it's a close contest, and I think it's going to go down right to the wire. And don't you worry, we'll have just as good questions to come the following weeks. And to come the following weeks, of course, are our podcast because we're going to have to sign off on today. We will open it back up next week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into season two, episode eight of the Leafs Line podcast. It was a fun one from start till end. Uh, make sure you go like our videos, subscribe if you're new to the channel, hit the like button, and of course. Turn the notifications on so you can be notified when we post our videos. Uh, we post a new video each day. We separated them into segments just to make it a little more user-friendly and you guys can shift around uh, as you may fit. And we also have just timestamps <laughs> in the description as well as Jared does. I'm not even going to give an accurate guess as to what he is doing, but we gave timestamps in the main video's description as well. Hope you enjoy the thumbnails. Hope you enjoy the videos. <laughs>
And I hope you keep coming back for more. That does it for me, Mary Russo. I'm joined by Evan Davis, Jared Roddenberg, and Adamo Romoli. Signing off to you guys. Have a great evening, everyone. And Evan, like you always do it for us, click it. Sign us off.